Hello? Yeah, I got these guys on here, and uh, they're talking all kinds of crazy stuff, and, but I like it. And who the hell is Clive and Dardis, though? Hi, everyone. Welcome to Clive and Dardis. I'm Michael Clive. That's Pat Dardis. Hey, everybody. And we have a really, really special guest. Uh, this is so cool to talk to him. Uh, we have Nate Kane. Nate. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> and this is so great to talk to you. I mean, you are a uh, you're a, a legend, legend in legend. Washington. <laughs> I'm sure I'm infamous in some circles and, and famous in others. So. Right, right. <laughs> so Nate Kane, Pat, you tell what is what is Nate Kane known for, Pat? Well, he's known as a whistleblower in the uh, Hillary Clinton Uranium One deal, where we uh, gave twenty uh, percent of our uranium to the Russians, but somehow they're looking at Trump as the, the Russian spy or whatever. And, but on, you know, we actually gave our uranium to, to Russia and uh, Nate, Nate found out a lot of um, nefarious details of that uh, uh, transaction, so to speak. And how Hillary is basically, you know, and the FBI cover up of it. And um, so I'll let, I'll let, I'll let Nate, uh, well, Nate, now, 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 Nate uh, now, Nate, are you, are you related to, before we get really into the FBI? Uh, are you, are you related to Will Kane? Not, I don't know. I don't know if I am or not. I mean, he's I, I don't, being funny because Will Kane's a black guy. No, he's not, I, I, are you really? You're not. <laughs> you're, you're, you're no relation to Dean Kane or Herman Kane. Or, or can we get that out of the not, way right not, now? Not that I'm aware of. Although, although <laughs> my my Canes go all the way back to, uh, you know, to the Revolutionary War. So it's very possible. And they okay. they were uh, they lived in uh, South Carolina and uh, Georgia area. And I oh, okay. think. Uh, <laughs> Some of those folks are from that area, so you never know. Trying to be funny with third grade jokes and ah, serious yeah. answer. Back. Right. So, <laughs> hey, once in a while, a third grade joke is okay. I mean, come on, now, guys. We love well, it. You, know, you don't want to. You don't want to grow up every. You don't want to be all grown up every every single moment of your life, right? No, Nate? no. You're telling me. So, so Nate, this and so Nate, what you were like? Weren't you like one of the original whistleblowers? Yes. So, so there were two. Uranium One whistleblowers that I, I'm aware of. Um, uh, the other guy was an FBI informant who was uh, basically working with the FBI to gather information on um, Rosatom and their attempts at um, infiltrating our uranium supply chain. And the the evidence that I handed over had a lot to do with that. Um, and his uh, his name I can't remember his first name. But his last name was Campbell. And uh, and he was being represented by uh, Victoria Towson, uh because the, oh, the FBI, yeah, case, that, yeah, they, yeah, they basically left him twisting in the wind with a bunch of classified hard drives full of, you know, um, sensitive intelligence information, and and they 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 basically cut him off, and <clears throat> and so I ended up how how my story came about was I was working at the FBI as a contractor. Uh, my, I was a subject matter expert in cybersecurity and they had hired me to implement their, uh, their vulnerability management system that they were upgrading to. And while I was working there, um, you know, I had pretty, pretty good access to, you know, the entire network and, and I, and I've been in this business for, you know, 26 years with a clearance. So I don't generally go looking for things that, you know, I don't have a need to know, but in this case, what ended up happening was I came in one day and my government supervisor was talking about something that he had discovered uh, with my other coworker. And I overheard a conversation uh, where they was talking about that. Basically Hillary Clinton, they had all this information on her 
and they they were going to cover it up and you know wow. to put it but shortly because so you they literally were heard that talk. Somebody was that's, saying, yeah, well, we, we gotta, we that is put, an amazing story. Really. We got to put the kibosh yeah. on this. You literally heard that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so oh, what, wow. they, they had these, uh, they had a system inside of the FBI where we would do this internal chat and it, they had a, um, um, a system where we could, you know, have con- conference calls and everything's transcribed in the FBI. Everything. They have one of the, the most extensive uh, record keeping systems I've ever seen. And, but what happens is it goes, uh, the transcripts of these conversations get dumped and then later they get categorized and they get, you know, placed and compartmentalized in various, um, uh, locations that you may or may not have access to. And so apparently, uh, some stuff got dumped and somebody happened, had happened to upon them and saw this conversation that was happening with the seventh floor and, you know, which is the leadership at the FBI Wow, and, and words were being thrown around like treason, and this could, you know, it's big enough to make, you know, to bring down the government, and um, you know, we're talking about what are we going to do, and and a decision was made that they were going to do nothing, <laughs> and so, well, so I, yeah, well, that you know, they were afraid Hillary. They everybody thought Hillary Clinton was going to win because that's what yes. the media was saying. That's what the, um, you know, that's what the. Uh, all yeah, of the she was voted ninety. Yeah, yeah. So they they thought for sure she was going to win, and that when she came in there and when she you know became president, that she was going to come after all of them and 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 destroy them. So they were afraid of her, and and that was the gist of it. Now I never saw all of that. That was all secondhand. But I I couldn't believe what I was hearing, and so I decided to go look for myself because I couldn't ignore that and. I didn't, I never did find those initial, um, conversations. They had probably been cleaned up by the time that, that I, uh, I uh, searched, but I, I did a search and I knew everything that I did, you know, was, was being recorded. So sure. it was never about, um, trying to hide anything, but I went ahead and I searched, you know, I did a search on Hillary Clinton, Clinton foundation, you know, within the FBI data. Uh, next thing you know, I'm, I see all of these documents and they were all, uh, a ton of, you know, uh, treasury, uh, you know, T what they call TSAR, um, suspicious activity reports, uh, that had been sent over by a FinCENT to the FBI. And, and it was, they were all had been reviewed, categorized, classified and had analyst notes in them. So this was like, you know, not the initial stuff that comes over, but when, when it's been processed. And so it had, um, they had four, four or five different field offices assigned to these documents. And each, each one of these field offices, you know, dealt with a different issue. So, uh, one of them was money laundering. Another was public corruption. So you had the, the money laundering unit at the FBI, the public corruption unit at the FBI, you had the, um, uh, securities and exchange fraud unit and the terrorism financing unit. They were all investigating Hillary Clinton and, not Jeez. just Hillary Clinton, but a bunch of other people related to your, uh, to, uh, the Clinton foundation. Sure. Um, and of course yeah. some of this related to uranium one, some of it related to other things, but, um, but I, I basically saved off all of these files and I just downloaded them to my government, you know, computer. And, uh, and I figured I would just hold them there. I had no intentions of doing anything with it. Um, but, you know, at the time, you, you weren't going to you weren't you weren't going to bleach bit them and all that kind of stuff and start hammering them together like Hillary did. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wipe it with a cloth, right? Yeah, yeah you weren't, um, weren't going to go like... <laughs> what, like with a cloth? Yeah, right. right. Talk about, oh, that was one of the most guilty looks I ever saw. Right? Was, oh, my God. I was like, yeah, wow, so, you know, they had her right there and they let her go. Yeah. Well, so so what happened was when I, when I saw this, my initial thought was, well, this is just a bunch of, you know, rumor mill because... Every single one of these documents had a case file assigned to it, and and there were people working it. And uh, so I thought, there, there's no way. Uh, in fact, I, my thought at that point was, there's no way that Hillary Clinton uh, finishes this, you know, election uh, without getting indicted, because right. the the information that I saw was pretty damning. I mean, it showed the entire money trail right from wow. start to finish. Some of the and and I you know I. I'm always careful about what I say, but some of the information like detailed countries and I won't name these countries, but some of these countries were ones that we don't do business with because they're corrupt and they're our enemies. And there was money coming from some countries and, and like, you know, high level officials and stuff going through multiple charities, multiple, um, mm -hmm. you know, shell corporations and things like that in one case. And I can talk about this cause this has come out publicly now. Um, but the, the terrorism financing one was pretty interesting because you had regular payments of about $9,000 a month that were going out, leaving the Clinton foundation. They were going through multiple shell corporations and, and bank bank accounts. And then it, the money was ending up in a, uh, an account that was owned by the head of, uh, he was the the spokesperson, the head spokesperson for the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. Wow. Jeez. And that guy was on the terrorist watch list. Yeah. So, so, and then, by the way, all that was happening like in the lead up to the whole Arab Spring and, and, and right. all of that happened. And so it was clear that, that they were funding a lot of, you know, what was going on there. And so it was, it was pretty, pretty damning. But, um, yeah, all of this I saw and I thought, well, you know, they're, they're doing their job. They're, you know, they're going to, um, you know, bring an indictment against her. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Right. And, and then the, what, what changed was the day that Comey, of course that no, you know, nobody really knew what the FBI was doing in regards to that because none of that was public. Right. Nobody right. Was talking right. About it was it. real. Yeah. I mean, there were people, I think Peter Schweischer had written a book, um, Clinton cash, uh, that had detailed a lot of that, I think had actually instigated some of the investigation stuff. But, um, but what ended up happening was, uh, that what was in the media and what was in the news with the, was the Clinton email server. Now yeah. that alone, I thought for sure this, you know, yes, when, when, that, that's when, guilty when, enough. Right. Right. If, yeah. Nobody, nobody knew the extent until Comey came out. Right. And, and exonerated uh, Hillary Clinton. He came out in front of the, the uh, FBI building. And for one thing, the FBI, they don't make decisions on prosecution. That's not their, that's not their choice. That's, that's the, Department of Justice's right. job to yeah. do that. They're only a an investigative, um, you know, branch or, or arm of the government. So, so Comey comes out and he, he puts. Do you have to remember watching this live and going? Whoa. I was. Yeah, I was in the office, and I, I mean, I, even my even my unit chief, I heard him cussing and swearing in the office. Uh, you know, in his office at, at what he was seeing because it was just unbelievable. Like none of us could believe it because what he, what he did essentially, he went out there and he said, you know, no reasonable prosecutor would uh, bring a, a case against, uh, you know, against somebody <laughs> over basically over mishandling classified information. Now, mind you, I had been there for two years and I had seen, I think, at least three people from my own unit 
walked out of the FBI. Wow. Huh. Uh, I don't know what all of them did, but I know one of them had to do with mishandling, you know, um, sensitive information. And, and he, you know, basically it, it's, they walk them out and you're, you're, you're stripped of your clearance. You're stripped of your career basically at that point. Yeah, yeah. So, so for, and then, you know, and that's because you're being essentially placed under investigation. Um, now in the case of Hillary Clinton, what was very telling to me was when I didn't know the extent of it. We just knew that there were classified documents, but remember that's when, when he came out there, he detailed what they had discovered. And one of the things that he mentioned were special access programs. I think there were like 14 of them or something that were found on her server. Now to the average layperson, they don't understand what that means. Uh, a special access program is top secret and it's not just top secret, but it is, a specially compartmentalized um, thing. So it, it, it has a code word usually associated with it or code name. Um, it is a, a program that even though you have a top secret clearance, you don't have access to see it unless you are read on to that particular program. Right. And, and I mean, I've been a part of uh, special access programs uh, in, in work that I've done, you know, in other places. And, um, and I've been read on to programs before. And there's no way to take something that is a special access program uh, and walk, you know, and, and put that on a, a server. You can't email it to yourself. There's no, you physically have to remove it from the skiff. Okay. And right. so you either have to print it out or you have to have placed it on some sort of removable media. And then you would have to either scan it in or, you know, basically uh, uh, copy it from the removable media onto, you know, your personal email server. So the fact that she did that, 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 you know, it basically violates the espionage act and, um, and mishandling of, you know, classified information, a whole host of laws. And, and for her to play dumb and play stupid is an insanity. She was the secretary of state, which is essentially one of the highest classifiers, you know, the classification authorities in the entire government. I mean, really the only person above that, you know, is, is the president of the United States. Uh, he has total authority, you know, over classified documents. But uh, in her position, she was a a um, uh, she was a a classification authority, and so she had the the ability to classify things. And she has to go through a ton of training for that, and that training is annually required. So to claim that you don't know what you're doing, and oh you know, what do you mean? Wipe it. Do you mean like with a cloth? I mean, she was so full of crap yeah. that I was, I was just, I was, you know, shaking my head. You know, know, I, I noticed that a lot about Democrats when they're under fire, they get, they, they get away with this incredible smugness. Yeah. yeah. It, it just get, and then the media just all steps aside from, Oh, did you? Well, that's what it means. As she said it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. They take whatever, whatever the Democrat says as, as gospel, <laughs> when it's the, the, where it's more like the, uh, the sat satanic gospel. I mean, you know, the Democrats have such a way of, yeah, they just, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever Joe Biden says, whatever uh, Hillary Clinton, that must be the truth. I mean, it's, well, right. yeah, it's incredible. That's what they said about Herr Hitler, too, you know, <laughs> the, well, the press, you know, you own the press. This is, it's all part of the game and it's so frustrating to the yeah. American people. It's like, well, the, that and the other, the other issue that was really kind of telling to me. Uh, so that was kind of the first indicator that they, they intended to cover things up. So basically um, just, just to summarize what you just said. So basically Hillary Clinton was guilty as hell. Okay. Right. Absolutely. Really, absolutely <laughs> yes. guilty, you know, absolutely, absolutely. guilty. But, and uh, but you know, think it, what she got away with, 
you know, the, the truth is, is that I, I do believe that everybody deserves their day in court. And, and, you know, everybody is innocent until proven guilty. But the fact is, is that they had evidence and that evidence was never seen by a court. Right. That evidence right. was never, was never judged, uh, you know, properly. They, they, the charge that I brought against the FBI when I blew the whistle, uh, was obstruction of justice. The FBI obstructed justice when it came to Hillary Clinton. Right. And that really is the crux of it. Um, anybody else, they would have thrown the book at. They would have gone after. I mean, shoot. Of course. I, I was a whistleblower protected by the by the intelligence community Whistleblower Protection Act, and they came after me with the whole force of the FBI and raided my home, took all my possessions. By the way, I literally got all of my electronics and documents back two days ago. Oh, my gosh. After two how many ago. years? Five years. More wow. than five. Wow. So, yeah, so that... You know, that should be that should tell people something that, you know, when you when you um, it, it's clear they never intended to charge me. Uh, they they knew they didn't have anything. Uh, their their search warrant, I think, was a bogus search warrant, which was evidenced by the fact that when the Daily Caller had submitted a FOIA request to the U.S. magistrate in Maryland and uh, the judge was they, they they got together with their lawyers because, of course, they first they they asked the U.S. attorney. Uh, who was running the case on me, um, they said, you know, what was the reason, what was your justification for raiding a whistleblower's home? And, you know, his response was the standard, you know, uh, you know, I can neither confirm nor deny BS. We have ongoing, uh, this is an ongoing uh, investigative matter. We can't talk oh, about Oh, how convenient. Law. Yeah, we can't, so, we're not going there. Yeah, Yeah. so so they so they got together with their lawyers. And, uh, you know, I remember somebody reached out to me with uh, from the Daily Caller and they said, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're going to draft up a, we're talking with our lawyers. We're going to draft up a, uh, a FOIA request, um, with the U S magistrate. And we think we've got a, a question that will answer a lot of things without them being able to deny it. And so the question was simply put, was the judge made aware that Nate Kane was a protected whistleblower under the ICWPA when the search warrant was, uh, was requested. Right. And an, uh, an Obama appointed judge, Put a seal on that answer. Oh, <laughs> well, they, just, I, oh. you know, they think they, they kind of answered the question by their actions. Yeah, exactly. Right. I've seen that in uh, you know the Congress when they're asking them about you know what was the uh, <laughs> well it was they're acting Chris, Christopher Ray about uh, you know did you oh, yeah. have informants in the January six crowd? Oh, I cannot uh, respond to that. And then he goes, oh, right, you right. think you'd just say no? Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, they're not they're not asking him to name them you no. know they're not, they're not asking him yeah. you know they what they do is they use this this clause right within you know classification and and uh uh they they, they call it the uh, sources and methods you know they say they can't discuss sources and sources and methods and yeah, so they right. use that as an excuse to basically not uh not talk about it and and this it brings up a bigger issue i think that exist still to this day. I mean, despite whatever happened with Hillary Clinton and uranium one, um, you know, is that's, that issue is, you know, probably way past it's, uh, um, you know, their ability to do anything about it. Right. You know, because you do have statutes of limitations on these things and that's what they do when, when there's something, they, yeah. When they know that there's something that is, is really bad, they will run out the clock yeah. and they will just stall and stall and stall. So if you remember, like a Democrat um, at an interview. Yep. I know. I know. <laughs> yes. So true. So, 
So uh, Devin Nunez was the the chairman of the uh, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, and at the time they were investigating uh, these matters into Uranium One, and they were requesting documents from uh, the FBI, and they were getting stonewalled. And so I I was not going to go about and you know and do anything until I saw uh, Comey make the comments that he made you know, to the public. Then at that point I had a decision to make. I was either going to protect my career, which I was making the most money I'd ever made at any job, uh, there. And it was a, and I had a great, you know, setup. I mean, I basically was the, the subject matter expert, you know, on the system and, um, was, you know, had a very, had a very cushy, easy job and, um, and was, was making a lot of money and I could, I had everything to lose by, by making that decision to blow the whistle because it meant one, I was going to lose my job because there's no way I was going to continue to work there after blowing the whistle. Um, two, I, I could likely lose my clearance mm-hmm. and lose my, my freedom if they indict me and, and put me in jail. Um, and I, so I, I did go about taking some time to really you know try to research what was going to be the best way to do this. <laughs> I'll bet you so, did. Yeah. How so can I, I, had, how so can I, I stay had, out of trouble for doing the right thing? Exactly. And so, so I looked at the federal <laughs> laws and, and the only place, because the problem I had was I couldn't go through the typical chain of command uh, to blow the whistle because the chain of command was part of my complaint. Comey was in my complaint. Um, uh, you had, uh, Michael Atkinson was in my complaint. Um, Robert Mueller. Yeah, I, that you guy know, is such, was, a, a, such a stooge for the state. It's well, for the he, state. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he was in my complaint too because he was the FBI director at the time. All the Iranian one stuff. Wow. <laughs> so, so I had, and then, and Michael Atkinson, who was the intelligence community inspector general the one who I would have to go and report to typically because he was the, you know, he's the ICOG or IC, uh, um, uh, OIG. The problem was, is that he was the director of the public corruption unit at the time that everything went down. Comey was, you know, the second command at the FBI at the time. So really I had no choice, but to go outside of normal channels. And, and, uh, so I did some research into it and the only place that I could go, was to the two oversight intelligence committees, the the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. And quite frankly, I didn't trust the Senate uh, Select Committee on Intelligence because it had just been, you know, revealed that there were, uh, I think it was the, the uh, some unit out of the CIA was spying on them to identify whistleblowers, and <laughs> names were being leaked out of you know out of their committee so oh sorry what a I bunch decided- of what a bunch of scumbags when you think about it really you oh, know yeah. i mean these guys this this I, i'm not to interject but too much but you know the cia the fbi i mean they're all just it's almost a shell game with these people but go ahead yeah. go ahead go ahead nate so, so so i ended up going to uh the 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 uh the hipsy as they call it um and i ended up you know i didn't want to go directly to them because i knew you know if i walked in there uh, and I had, to, I had to sign my name on some sort of roster. You know, if I called, I called, uh, I did make one phone call to them. And when I called, 
all of a sudden I, I got a voicemail and I'm like, Oh, this is a bad idea. And so I hung up, you know, I'm like, <laughs> no way. Hey, hey, this is me. I got, Hey, this is Nate Kane. I got all the right. I can bring down this whole government right now. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ne- next thing mail. you know, ne- next thing you know, you know, uh, I've, I'm yeah. found, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Found, found, suicide, found uh, two, two bullets on, in the back on, of on my river head somewhere, you know, there, there's Nate right. floating down the river. Yeah. No, so I decided, I decided, um, so I decided to reach out uh, and find somebody to be a go-between. And uh, there was a guy uh, who had a, a YouTube channel at the time um, called The Still Report, Bill Still. And and he, I, I was, you know, watching his show. I had been watching it for a couple of uh, um, couple of months, not very long. But he had had a couple of pretty high-profile whistleblowers, um, previous whistleblowers, uh, NSA whistleblowers, on his show. Uh, one of them was uh, Bill Benny. And oh, I, uh, I know him. Yeah. Yeah. He's a pretty good. Yeah. Guy, actually. Yeah. And I had a lot of respect for him. And so I knew that he had some connections with, you know, with various people in Washington, DC. Right. And the other thing too, is he always ended his show with a Bible verse and uh, you know, and he, he had at least proclaimed to be a, a Christian. And so I, there was a, you know, it was a level of trust that I had there going to him that okay. I didn't necessarily have with other people. So, so I, I reached out to him and um, you know, I basically sent an email and I said, Hey, um, you know, I have some information that I need to talk to somebody about. And I said, but I'm not going to talk to you through anything other than proton mail. <laughs> so, so he, so I said, so if you want to talk to me, uh, create a proton mail account and then reach out to me. <laughs> my email. Oh, wow. and, and you know, I didn't give him my name or nothing. So, you know, the next day I got an email from him. And so we started communicating and, and I told him, you know, look, I, here's my situation. And I, I told him about what was happening. And so he agreed um, to help me out. And uh, so he reached out to somebody that he knew on Capitol Hill that had connections to um, to Devin Nunez, and he was able to set up a meeting. And so he he drove up from uh, South Carolina, I think was where he was living at the time, and and we met in person. Uh, he picked me up. I actually carried classified documents out of the FBI, and um, and then he he met me at the. Um, I was over at the botanical gardens in Washington, DC, you know, with a backpack, you know, and, and, uh, had my, I had this thumb drive on me and, and I'm, I'm like waiting for him to pick me up. He picks me up and then we went and we picked up, um, one of, uh, Devin Nunez's, uh, senior staff members. And, you know, I, of course I had verified all of this. I asked to see his badge, everything. Right. And, and under the law, uh, senior staff members to the, to the intelligence committees, they are allowed to accept classified documents from anyone that's the law. And so, so, you know, it was a little bit iffy as to whether or not that meant I could give them to them, but I did have a (laughs) courier card. I did have a courier card, which authorized me to carry classified documents outside of the, uh, outside of the uh, FBI. And I, of course I followed procedure. I bubble wrapped it, doubled, you know, envelope, you know, uh, marked classified on the inner envelope, uh, secret. And, um, and so it was, you know, I followed the procedures and, and I ended up going out and, and I, I handed over this stuff to him. And then we drove around for, for about three hours and I debriefed, uh, de- debriefed this gentleman for about three hours on everything that I had found. Cause the documents was a lot more than just uranium one. Um, I only had like at that time, maybe two documents that related to uranium one. Um, a lot of what I had was, was, uh, related to money laundering and uh securities and exchange fraud i had a document in there there was a a number of concerns 
that I had that I wanted to address and get to them. One of them was, you know, there was all of this Russia, Russia, Russia business that was going on and all of this concern over, you know, Russians hacking the election. Remember the, oh, you know, yeah, that's what, of course, remember the, the, you had the, uh, the Democrats claiming at that time that the Russians had hacked the election. That's why Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah. Well, I had documents internal to the FBI that showed that they had done an assessment and that the likelihood of a foreign hack of our, of our, uh, and this is the FBI's own assessment of a foreign hack of our elections was, was damn near next to impossible. And, and I, I still believe that that is the case today. Sure. You know, all of the talk of, even after the 2020 election, which I do believe there was cheating that went on, but the cheating was the good old fashioned cheating that has always occurred, which it was an inside job. It was an inside job. That's right. It wasn't, you know, we didn't have foreign hackers from, you know, out of the country, you know, necessarily hacking our elections. What happened was you had all of these drop boxes and you had uh, people who were, you know, manufacturing ballots and dropping them in the, uh, these drop boxes. And so, but anyways, back to Which is fraud, by the way. It it is. Absolutely. And it, and in some of these cases, it was, it was, uh, you know, the race was close enough that it, it, without a doubt, affected the election. Sure. Um, there was a, there were, were, so I handed that document over to him. I handed over a document that dealt with, um, uh, some other, uh, you know, other matters that were, um, related to national security. One of them was that there was all this attention that was being given to, um, th- th- there was a shift going on within the bureau, uh, to open source intelligence gathering. And, and I, I think that open source intelligence is great for augmenting intelligence, but I had major concerns, uh, that they were basically completely disregarding, uh, the standard methods of intelligence gathering, you know, by using spies and things like that outside, you know, the United States and that we were, um, moving in a direction to almost sole source, uh, use open intelligence. And my concern was that open source intelligence by its very nature could very well be misinformation. Uh, And um, so, so I had, so there's a lot of other things that some of these things I've never even talked about, but I I had these concerns. Um, I had concerns about a, there were things that were going on within the Bureau. Um, One of them was that there was a, um, they had these cultural awareness days where we could get out of work and we could go down and listen to, you know, uh, you know, somebody talking about gay pride or talking uh, about their this, talk- uh, God, yeah, or, this, is, this is unbelievable what I'm hearing right now. Or, this- or talking, they had somebody that they brought in to talk about uh, Islamic Awareness Day. Ah, uh, yeah, I got and, an Islam. Uh, yeah, for, for, let, yeah, let me guess. No British Awareness Day. <laughs> no, 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 no white history month. There, it was yeah. all, it was all everybody else's uh, spiel. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, they, they had a, they brought in this imam who had, uh, and I, I, cause I was just curious, you know, I saw, I Googled the guy and the guy had out there, he had statements of where he had called the United States, the, you know, the great Satan. And this is the guy they're bringing into, you know, the FBI to make us all, uh, you know, sensitive to, you know, what a uh, bunch of scum. I mean, the FBI is a bunch of losers right now. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I mean, I had some, I know there's a few decent, Officer, I know a very few, but I mean, what a bunch of losers right now we have in the FBI. And Christopher Ray is the biggest loser out there, and Robert Mueller is a loser, and yeah. James Comey is a loser. And I hope they hear this. 
But I, yeah. I don't care. You know, but go ahead, Nate. Well, no, I, I got I a question. Nate. Hang on, Nate. What, 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 sure. what, what, what is the what is the purpose? I mean, honestly, let's be honest. What is the purpose of having an, a person of imam or these cultural? Crap? Exactly. What is the purpose or the plot behind this? That you uh, think? So, so part of it was after 9-11, um, I think there was a, ah, a major, there was a major focus within the FBI, obviously, to look, you know, um, to look at, at people who are of Islamic background. And to, yeah, well, if you remember, so, so this was something the Obama administration did. Um, if yeah, you well, remember, he's, a, he's a secret Muslim anyway. Well, do you, do you remember, do you remember uh, the, there was a whistleblower named Phil Haney? Do you ever hear? I, I know the name. I, I have heard the name. So he, he was a whistleblower that exposed that the Obama administration had databases of, you know, essentially um, homegrown extremists that were, you know, tied to terrorism activities uh, and, you know, that were extremist uh, Islamic groups. And they had they had a massive database that they had built, you know, from their intelligence work and uh and Obama came in and basically had them delete this entire database. Oh, now. So Philip Haney felt that that was a danger. He was one of the original um, people who helped start the Department of Homeland Security. And so he went and, and ex, you know, exposed us. Now, he was a very devout Christian and um, very well, well, well known, well liked, uh, you know, and, and uh, just a humble guy. But uh, they absolutely tried to destroy him and his career. And, um, and wow. when he came out with this stuff, he was uh, going to write a second book. And before his book got published, uh, he was found dead next wow. to his car with a bullet wound to the chest and a supposed, uh, um, remember that. you know, supposed uh, suicide note. And, you know, and, and he was in a and ride, you know, area like dead next to his car with a bullet wound to the chest. I mean, I don't know anybody that, you know, yeah. points a, a gun at your chest to kill no. yourself, you know, and, and not only that, but the guy was a devout Christian yeah. and, and even his family and, and the, um, there was a woman that he had just, um, they, they had just decided to get married. And so, I mean, he had a, you know, and he had a, a opportunities under the Trump administration to come back to work. And I mean, there was some like great things that were happening. His life made no sense at all. No. Um, and I followed up on that afterwards to try to see what happened. And of course they, they, you know, officially deemed it a suicide. I, I don't believe it for one bit. I believe no. it was murder. No. So, you know, I'm but he, he exposed he exposed all of that, and so there was a movement within the the Biden administration, or sorry, the um, the Obama administration, to basically um, completely and and change. who was the, and who was the FBI director under that time? Mueller, right? I think that was um, Mueller. Was he was Mueller? Yeah. Was Mueller? Yes. Yes. yes Mueller, is, Mueller. Yes. Yes. Mueller is such a a stooge for the for it anything with the islam he he was kind of like just put it under the rug and and make it go away yeah. so to speak so so they were trying to shift away from that um they were they were shifting uh oh one of the documents that i turned over and this was a, a pretty important one was there was a internal document that the fbi had that showed uh that they were making um they were paying a consulting fee. And I don't know what the amount was, but I'm sure it was probably significant <laughs> to the um, Southern poverty law center to help, to help the FBI identify, um, uh, help the I FBI identify uh, uh, 
homegrown extremists. And of course, all oh of the gosh. groups, all the groups that they were pointing out were all, you know, uh, white, you know, right, right wing, uh, conservative, uh, groups. One, I'll never forget because one of the groups that, that they had listed as a homegrown extremist group. And, and it really kind of shocked me. And, and this was like when I woke up to how just corrupt, even their system of how they identified threats was there was two things. One, was um director ray went before congress and he was asked about antifa and he 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 acted like he didn't know what what antifa you know he never heard of them or like they were you know they didn't exist or whatever yeah you know bang. he he basically just said yeah they're they're not they're not a threat they're not really organized or you know or anything like that and oh yeah well, who was it me, meanwhile Nadler said the same thing nadler yeah I, I me, said, meanwhile there Nadler. there were there were documents that that uh, that the FBI had that showed there were groups like in Oregon, for example, um, of, of groups that were, uh, far, far left extremist, uh, yeah. separatist groups that had, um, you know, that, that were basically like Antifa with guns and, mm -hmm. and they were, you know, fully on board with overthrowing the U S government. And they were and not the on FBI, the list. <laughs> no, they weren't, they weren't, the FBI wasn't even concerned. You know, yeah. they, they, they just kind of had a quick blip about them and that was it they did know about like events that would take place and or that they suspected. And so we had these internal memos that would tell us, you know, basically stay out of Oregon this, you know, day or whatever. Oh my and, gosh. Um, Is this for real? This, this can't yes. even be happening. I mean, when they actually think that yep. something could happen and they're not telling anybody or they're not, a, that's right. And they're keeping it under right. seat. Oh my God. And then, you know, this, and then they painful. Yeah. And then it they was had, just in the movies, right? Pat? <laughs> yeah. So they, they would, they would have these, these, uh, weekly reports that would come out and it would tell you like where, um, where they had intelligence that there were things that were going on, you know, could potentially happen. And, um, you know, so th th they knew that the Antifa was a threat, but for whatever reason, they were deciding to not talk about it. And then obviously you had, you know, BLM, you know, uh, burning down uh, cities and things like that. And, not and then he just, no, not a peep, man. They were ignoring it. And instead they were focused on, uh, I remember, I remember, uh, director Ray going and, you know, he, he kept, he said he, in that same meeting with Congress, he said the biggest threat, domestic threat that we had was white supremacy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't know about you, but the last time, and I can't remember the last time that, you know, I saw the, the Ku Klux Klan or, you know, or any white supremacist group really doing anything. No. Yeah. I mean, well, Chris, Christopher Ray's a, a world economic forum stooge. He was just over there in Davos with Klaus Schwab. He's yeah. a total, he's a total sellout. He's a, he's a, he's a piece of turd. I hope I, well, I hope someday I get to actually say it to his face, but uh, go ahead. He, Nate. he had, there was an internal email that came around to all of us in, in the bureau, um, right after, you know, he came aboard and I, I was actually hopeful at first when he came aboard that, you know, he was going to go on clean house and, <laughs> and change things. But then when he <laughs> sent out, he sent out this email basically saying how, uh, how important it was that we protected the brand of the FBI. The brand. Oh, yeah. And he said, he said nothing about stopping the corruption within the FBI or changing the culture or, you know, and really the, the FBI in order for them to, to protect the brand. If he really wanted to protect the brand, what he should have done was created, you know, basically a totally transparent environment and cleaned house. And then went after, you know, some of the corrupt policies when the F within the FBI 
and then let the public in to see him cleaning house. But the fact is, that's not what he did. And he, he reinforced a lot of the stuff that was there. And, um, and it was, you know, it's just no good. Don't ask, don't tell. That's right. That's right. So, so there was a lot of, a lot of issues, but back to the, you know, handing this stuff over to the, um, to the, the hipsy, I'll never forget. I'm sitting in this car and I'm talking to the senior staff member. And he says to me, uh, he's, I said, look, uh, cause so we're talking and I tell him all the stuff and I, I brief him on everything. He says, he said, is there any more information that you can find on, on uranium one? Now, mind you, I only got like a week left now at, at the bureau. So I'm like, not exactly excited about the idea of, you know, doing this twice, but he says, can you go back in and get more information for us on uranium one? Now, when you say you had a week left, what do you, what what do you, what is that referring to? So when I, when I made the decision to blow the whistle, I ensured that I had another job lined up. There was Uh no way, no way I was going to stay at the bureau and, (laughs) and, you know, grow eyes in the back of my head. I like knew eventually they, on your spouse. I'm going to stay in this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am the bad guy. I remember that movie Serpico, uh, Mike. I, 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 Nate, you remember that? The, the, oh yeah. The, yes. The, the good cop guy. You know, he's telling on. You know, basically talking about all the corruption, and they they literally tried to kill the guy. I mean, that's what Nate would have been like uh, at the FBI. Uh, you know, he would have had the, well, the the darts, the eyes that would have had darts on him. See, I knew, I knew that when I was going through this process and I'm you know, taking files off of the server, right. There's records of all of that. And I wasn't about to try and, you know, delete those records or anything like that, because then that would be obstruction of justice. Right. And, and the FBI of course um, would need to do their due diligence and look into, see if I did anything improper um, at some point. So I knew eventually there would be an investigation into me. I knew eventually I might receive a visit from the FBI Mm-hmm. Um, all of that. So there was no way I was going to place myself in a situation where they could corner me, you know, on their property and, uh, you know, and, and, and put me in a, a bad situation. Plus oh, two, yeah. when you have certain, when you go into certain, um, intelligence community, um, jobs, you sign, especially where you've, you've done a, where you've, you've been read onto programs you sign away some of your rights and, and while you're working there, you know, basically they can come and do a surprise, uh, you know, inspection of your home when you're not even there. Oh, right. And yeah. So, oh, there, that's, so there's that's certain, part of joining the FBI. Th- that's part of any of the intelligence community yeah, yeah, where, okay. where you, where you are, where you are signed into, or you're read onto certain intelligence, um, um, programs. Okay. Those are the saps that I was talking about earlier. You basically, you're waiving your rights. Um, for, you know, for surprise inspections and surprise, um, you know, they, they can do, you know, no, no warrants. Except uh, for Hillary, Hillary Clinton. They'll, they'll, they'll tell, Hey, we're, we're coming over get everything, oh, yeah. and, make and, everything and, straight yeah. everything, yeah. make oh, everything oh, by good. The way, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and let, go ahead and let your attorneys uh, go through yeah. all of the, the things to make yeah. sure that, you know, the wedding photos and things like that. Yeah, are taken yeah. How about Christopher Ray and Mueller? Are they, were they exempt? exempt from, from that policy. Yeah. Um, probably by the fact that they, you know, that they were who, who they were. I mean, of they're the course. enforcement, right? Who's going to, who's going to go after them. Right. Sure. What a so, nice, what a nice trick. What a nice trick. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is a, it is a, Come the on. whole damn system <laughs> is corrupt. Yes. And part of the, part of the problem is, and I've been thinking about this a lot is that we've got, 
you know, the Department of Justice is over, of course, over the, the FBI, but the FBI is the investigative arm of the Department of Justice. So, so nobody at the Department of Justice is ever going to investigate, sorry, nobody at the, the FBI is going to investigate anybody in the Department of Justice because that's their boss, yeah. right? And, and of course, the Department of Justice is going to protect the FBI because that's their underling. So, you know, it, it, it the whole system is designed to, it, it really con- concentrates power in a way that there's never accountability. Yeah. And one of the things that I'm hoping that, that, um, uh, that, that things can, ch- you know, things that can be changed in Congress is the FBI really needs to have an adversarial, um, uh, another, there needs to be another government agency with law enforcement powers mm-hmm. and, um, that is adversarial to the FBI and to the department of justice. In other yeah. words, you know, they have no authority then, and you take away the ability for the FBI to self monitor. And you basically, you know, you make, you know, if they do self monitor, we all know it's never going to amount to anything. So right. you have another agency. <laughs> yeah. So like, so for example, the department of treasury, okay. They have their own law enforcement and that is in the, uh, uh in the secret service. So why don't they create a branch within the Secret Service whose sole purpose is to investigate the FBI right. and the Department of Justice? That would make sense. Yes. And so there there needs to be, um, you know, these checks and balances, and there aren't any within the FBI Not at all. They, How convenient! Now, they, they say that the 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 Office of the Inspector General is supposed to be doing that, but the Office of the Inspector General has no, uh, they have no prosecutorial power at all. And so, so all they can do is expose things, but then nothing happens. So for example, do you remember, um, there was a, um, uh, inspector general Horowitz who, let me say for the record was every bit of a gentleman and, and did me right. When I ended up having to go and, and, um, go through the ICWPA and I, I was the first person ever in the history of the FBI to use it. Uh, with the DOJ, he, he actually went out of his way to protect me and to ensure that the information that I had submitted ended up going to both the house and the the Senate select committees because uh, on intelligence, because they, I ran into one roadblock after another. The first thing that happened was the information gets submitted. And then there's like a, they have a seven day uh, window that it has to go up and be reviewed um, by the, um, uh, by the, the attorney general. And so the information uh, got submitted up to, uh, to Jeff Sessions office and he refused to even give it a credibility rating. He wouldn't even look at it, which is really odd because he, because he's, he was a big time Trump supporter at one you, time. You would, you know, so I don't know yeah. what they did to him to scare him about the whole, remember he, he, uh, he, he, he basically said, I'm not going to have anything to do with anything. Russia. Right. Basically he, he kneecapped himself right at the beginning. And that's why Trump was so angry with him and rightfully so. So he wouldn't even look at the information that I sent up because there was stuff in there related to Russian intelligence. And, um, so, so it comes back down and Horowitz actually said to my attorney that it was unprecedented what had happened because under law, he's required to look at it and give it a credibility rating, but he wouldn't. So, um, so he offered to give it a credibility rating himself he has access to the databases. He can go look and see. I mean, these are all serialized documents pulled directly from the FBI's database. Right. So he went 
looked, verified, he came back and then told my, uh, my attorney that we now had permission to take our information directly to both the house, uh, and the Senate select committees on intelligence. And, and by the way, this is kind of an important thing is that when we asked him, do you want us to give you the thumb drive? He said, no. He said, you're authorized to maintain it mm-hmm. because if the committees do not, you know, do not, you'll have an opportunity to take it to the committees. And uh, if they don't do anything, then you can go to other committees like the judiciary or, or wherever. Yeah. But, but we, so he, so I had to print out everything. And I mean, this thing was like, it looked like a dictionary, how thick it, you know, the, the documents were is 450 pages, um, you know, change, but we ended up, um, afterwards he gave us permission to take it to the, to the, uh, uh, to these committees. So we contacted the committee liaisons and they told us they were not willing to take it from us if we didn't give them, um, you know, my name. And there was no way in hell I was going to give my name at that time, uh, to either of these committees, because for one, why would they need, they wanted me to testify, but why did I need to testify? If the information is the information and it's been validated and verified, verified, you can see for yourself, what do you need me to testify to anything? All I saw, you know, that would happen to that is that the Democrats, you know, would leak my name and uh, put my life in in danger. I mean, we're talking about, I had information because one of the things, remember I said that the, uh, I was asked to go back in and get more, more information by the, yeah. Um, by the senior staff member, what they wanted in particular was any intelligence that the FBI had on, on Russian, um, you know, basically spies working in the United States that were trying to subvert or trying to, um, uh, infiltrate our uranium supply chain. And so I found that information and I brought it out and, you know, with the intent of giving it to the house permanent select committee on intelligence, because what they were specifically looking for was any documented evidence that the CFIUS committee's decision to allow uh, Rosadam to Rosadam to buy uranium one, uh, they wanted to know what the FBI knew at that time, because director Mueller um, at the time that he was the director of the FBI, he had a fiduciary duty to the CFIUS committee to notify them of any national security concerns. And they had evidence that um that these guys who worked for uh, Rosatom that, that they were trying to infiltrate they were there was a whole bribery kickback scheme uh involving uh yellow cake and transportation of yellow cake in in Maryland uh, which is a byproduct of you know the uranium and so they were trying to infiltrate that whole thing and so they knew about it all the data the documents were all dated prior to the CFIUS committee making its decision um not only did they know about it but Obama himself knew about it and I, I brought out uh, executive uh, office of the executive, uh, you know, presidential briefings that the you know director was briefing on the president with uh, President Obama at the time with, and so he knew about it too. And so all these people were aware of what was going on, and yet this deal was allowed to go down. And that's what the that's what the the um, uh, the hipsy was was looking for. So I, I I grabbed those documents, I brought them out. And I had everything, you know, all the previous stuff along with the new intelligence stuff uh, in there uh, to hand over to him. And he had given me this, this, uh, you know, app with a secret code that I could use that I could communicate with him to let him know, hey, here's where we're going to meet and all of that. Mm -hmm. So I get out on my last day, mind you, at the FBI. My last day, I I carry out this stuff. 
And, um, you had to be nervous as hell. Oh my God, man. I, I was sweating bullets, you know, but I mean, I had to keep my composure, you know, cause every time you, you exit the building, right. You know, you're, you're passing by security and even <laughs> it, it, so, so they're, you know, if they stop How are me, you today, Mr. King, oh, fine, yeah. Fine, I'm, I'm, yeah. And, and they, they can randomly stop you and, and do yeah. searches of your bag. And so, so if they had stopped me, how do I explain that? Oh, I'm taking this to, you know, yeah. to so-and-so, um, you know, and, and I mean, you know, they could deny it. You know, I didn't have anything in writing from them. I just had him asking me. Now I did have a witness in the car with me. Uh, Bill still was there. And so he actually heard everything that was asked of me. And that was, you know, I think that was by Providence. Cause honestly, I didn't really think about that. It's just kind of something that happened. Right. But thank God he was there because yeah. then, you know, if somebody wanted to deny it later. They couldn't. Um, but I was asked about it. So I, I got this information. I got out. I tried contacting him and I got nothing. I got no response. Oh, so that had to have been a sinking feeling. Oh my God. Yeah. It, you know, all of a sudden I, I was sitting there and I'm feeling, um, you know, I'm feeling, you know, what am I, what am I going to do here? Oh, uh, yeah. you know, I am in, in, in some serious trouble. So I, at that point I realized I needed to get an attorney. And, um, and so I, I reached back out to bill and I said, Hey, I, I've got a problem. I said, I, I need help, man. I, I said, these guys have left me twisting in the wind with this classified thumb drive. Um, if I destroy it, I'm destroying evidence. If I bring it home, uh, you know, I'm violating, I'm mishandling classified information. I, I don't know what to do. So at that point I basically brought it home. I stuck it in my safe and then I contacted, you know, a lawyer and I, I used bill to help me find one. And, um, and, and now, so now who, now who, 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 who was the person that let you down when, when you took the documents, who, who, who again, did you want to give that to That wasn't, was that Horowitz or was that, was that, was that somebody? No, no, it was, it, a Senate it, committee it, was or, it, it was one of Devin Nunez, a senior staff new, member. Yeah, and, new, the, yes. Nunez. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I've not given his name cause I, I still to this day don't know what happened. Um, I think I know what happened really? based on, yeah, based on some things that I've seen that have come out. Um, there's, there's a, there was a podcast that Devin Nunez did where he talked about an incident that occurred literally the week that I came out with that information. Um, and, uh, it was him and Trey Gowdy were asked by the FBI to come down to the skiff to look at some information that they wanted to see. And they had been tipped off that the FBI was trying to set them up and it was going to leak the information that they looked at after they viewed it. So they, they basically confirmed that they were going to go down there, but then they didn't on purpose. Well, yeah, I, I can and see sure enough, down. and sure enough, it leaked later, you know, that information leaked and the FBI tried to claim that it was Trey Gowdy and, and Devin Nunez that leaked it, but they were able to prove that they never actually went down there. And so, oh. so, so I think that spooked them. And I mm-hmm. think they, they, you know, because when I met with the staffer, what ended up happening was we, um, we drove around at first he showed me his badge and I was going to show him mine. He said, you know, what? I don't want to see your badge. It's probably better that way. And he said, you know, let's just, you know, let's keep you anonymous. So he was trying to protect me, yeah. but in a way that probably backfired because then when he went and took this information to Devin Nunez and then they had this incident, they're like, was this guy an FBI plant trying to set us up? You know, what's going uh, on? Oh yeah. yeah. You know? So uh, that, that's my best guess as to what happened. And I think I'm probably right about that based on some other things that I've learned and that have come out since then. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I got, you know, left twisting in the wind. So I ended up having to go through and file a formal, you know, ICWPA 
um, uh, complaint. And, uh, and that's when I, I hired my attorney. Um, I'm going to pause real quick here. Cause I got to answer something, uh, yeah. need, but, uh, give me one minute here. Go ahead. It's your wife calling. Did you, did you get the milk this morning? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it's kind of, middle of, kind of middle of the day for me. And so, so I work from home and I have, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. I have a, an email that came in here. That was kind of an urgent one. So I'm just responding to it. Top secret. <laughs> it's top secret. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Everything's cloak and dagger in Nate's, in Nate's world right now. Everything's oh, like, yeah. yeah. So, so it, it was a, it was a very, it was a very scary moment in my life. And I'm uh, sure I, I'd had a clearance for 25 years and, and I knew that I was in, you know, in a, in a very dangerous place at that moment. And so, so when we went down, we got uh, in touch with uh, Horowitz. Horowitz allowed me to, not only did he, he do all these things, he made sure they, they wouldn't accept the documents from us. Um, oh, now I remember why I went off on this tangent. So the staffer told me while we were in the car, he says to us, he goes, you know, I want you to use this app when you communicate with us. I don't want you calling me on my cell phone number because... Um, we have reason to believe that we are being surveilled by the FBI. Or oh, yeah. oh yeah. Now this is, um, this is somebody who's a senior staff member for the committee that has oversight over the intelligence community. And they were, they had reason to believe they were being surveilled by that very same intelligence community. Yep. That's the FBI today. Bunch so, of, uh, so, so that, that should tell everybody, you know, that, that we have a major problem now people don't understand what it means to be under a FISA, um, warrant. Uh, I believe I was under one for, for possibly two years. Uh, but it allows them to look at your emails, allows them to look at all your phone calls, to listen in on your phone calls, um, to read your emails, to look at your social media, private messages. Um, it allows them to look at all your bank accounts, to look at how you're spending your money. I mean, anything and everything, they can do without a, without a regular warrant. Right. And so, you know, when you have that level of intrusion into somebody's, you know, fourth amendment rights, yeah. um, you know, basically, uh, everybody's got secrets. Everybody's got something, you know, maybe they looked at some porn they shouldn't have looked at, or maybe, <laughs> yeah, whatever, maybe, yeah. you know, may, maybe they, they, uh, you know, maybe they had had an affair or something that, you know, a lot of people have got secrets. And the thing is, is that when the government has the ability to look at all these people using these, these authorities, um, I suspect that they probably have a lot of dirt on a lot of people. Including oh yeah. Members, yeah. That's, including how, that's how they, members of, including members of Congress. And yes, also that's exactly what I was just going to say. They, they, they have judges a, and the courts. Yeah, they they kind of blackmail each other. It's got I got I have this information on you, so you got to go along with this bill, or you or, or you're gonna you're gonna oh, to, you're gonna toe the line or or else. Wow. So I had a I had a guy who um after I blew the whistle and 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 my my name got leaked and you know next thing you know I'm all over the place. I ended up having um you know, various people reach out to me about different issues and stuff because my name was out there and people were like, you know, this guy's, this guy's got some cojones. So, you know, I'm going to call him and tell him all my, you know, all this stuff that I want to blow the whistle on. So I, I had a number of people reaching out to me and I had to warn them. I'm like, look, um, you became, you became like mother Teresa of the, of the uh, cloak and dagger world. Yes. And so I had to tell people, <laughs> look, uh, don't, you know, I'm like, uh, 
when you communicate with me, you're automatically adding yourself to a list. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to say anything more, let's do it over secure means. And so, you know, so I, I had a lot of interesting conversations with various people, but one of them that really concerned me, and this goes back to this whole FISA thing was uh, this, I had discovered that our um, cell phones were listening to us and that uh, the, the company uh, Facebook in particular, Oh um, yeah. Facebook services was running in the background on my phone, on my Android phone. And it was listening to my conversations and bits and pieces of the, the information was, it was collecting and then sending up to some server somewhere. And then that information that it was listening to bits and pieces of conversations that I had during the day would end up in my interests folder on Twitter. The following Unbelievable. Day. That's what? funny. And, and I, I, yeah, I proved all of this. I had a, a very, uh, you know, scientific approach to it using, uh, a packet sniffer and capture device along with something that's monitoring my, my uh, microphone being turned on and off. And then looking at the packet capture being sent out and the microphone being turned on and off and matching the timestamps and the service that was being used to do all this. Whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa, wait a minute here. So you, you found this going on that Facebook, the Facebook app was running in the background on your phone, collecting stuff that you didn't yep. authorize them to collect. That's right. And audio. audio, audio. Right. So now, cause there are a lot of people, you know, some people think it's conspiracy theory. Oh, they can turn your mic on. And, oh, oh, oh yes, they can. Yeah. And, now, um, but, but, it, uh, okay. What did you use and how, can the average person do this and find out? Yes. Um, so there was an app that I used, uh, I want to say it was just called packet capture. I, it's been a while and this was on an Android phone. Um, but, uh, I used an app, I think it was called packet sniffer or packet capture, but it would capture the packets and it would identify the service that was running and the times that that service was sending data out. Wow. And it would time stamp it, you know, down to the millisecond. And then I used another app. Um, uh, I can't remember, but there's a number of apps that you can install that will monitor for when your microphone turns on and what, when it turns wow. off. Now, oh. now they at the time it wasn't as sophisticated. Now that app will even tell you uh, what service is turning on your microphone. But oh, so, but, at, but at that up. time I'm it didn't. It yeah. So I had to, I had to, um, I think it's called like anti-spy or something like that. Okay. But, but I, or no spy, I can't remember, but, um, and, and honestly, I, I posted all of this. I did a very, very long thing and I posted it all on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> expecting, expecting Twitter to ban my account right afterwards. But, um, but it, it, it was rolled up by a number of people, um, you know, with uh, different roll-up services. So I'm, I'm sure if I go out there and search for it, I could probably find it. But uh, I had screenshots of everything. And when I posted that, it, it got a lot of uh, reaction and a number of people reached out to me. But one gentleman that reached out to me um, claimed that he worked for a company in Southern California that was a data mining company. And he said, it's far worse than you even imagine. And he, you know, he was using a, a, you know, an anonymous account and, you know, wouldn't talk to me over anything other than, um, you know, over, uh, other than, um, proton mail. So, so I said, okay, no problem. So we, we communicated over proton mail and then he, he opened up and shared a lot more interesting detail. And I didn't know whether to believe him at first, cause it just seemed so far fetched, but his claim was that the AI, um, that 
that these companies have developed uh, is so sophisticated that it's developing a complete, they have gangs of AIs that basically are data mining all this data being collected and it's building profiles, including um, voice recognition profiles and everything else on every human being on the face of the planet. And he worked for the that. company. Well, he worked well, my, well, Mike, well Michael, Mike, Michael does like a hundred thousand voices. So I think he he could evade yes. them, right? Michael, you can do the Trump. You can do your <laughs> yeah, own. Right. You know, you can do all your voices, Mike. You know what I mean? Hey, this is, Hey, this is Michael Klein. Hey, that's not Michael Klein. That's Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Williams. What are you talking about? I yeah. wonder about this thing though. Yeah. That it's, it's basically just sucking up everything everywhere all the time. Correct. And, and this is private industry, mind you, this isn't the, you know, this isn't the prism you know, thing that, that member uh, Edward Snowden exposed. Um, this is private industry. This is a uh, Google right. AI and uh, Facebook and, and uh, you know, Twitter and other, you know, big tech companies. And I think there's some collaboration that goes on between them. Obviously it was showing yeah. up stuff that was being collected by Facebook was showing up in Twitter's, interests the very next day wow and uh, so so I, I he said to me that he had had a number of servers that the uh that the fbi had come in and had come into his offices and had taken servers uh, without a warrant all they came in with was an cell. now that lingo is not something typically that most people understand or even know but i knew about it because i had worked at at NSA at one point. And, uh, and so I, I was familiar with national security letters. And, um, in fact, I had, you know, been read onto programs dealing with those types of things. So, so I was familiar with it and that caught my attention. So I asked him, I said, what do you, what do you mean? And he said, well, he had had the FBI come in and they had, you know, come in with a national security letter, which is not a warrant, but they demanded that he turn over one of his servers. And these servers that he had were, you know, you know, tens of thousands of dollars or they're massive, you know, huge, expensive, um, you know, virtualization servers and all of that. And so they just, they wanted to take the server and he told them, no, not without a, you know, an actual warrant. And so they pulled out a envelope that had pictures of him, uh, with his mistress. Oh, here we go. And they said, you're going to hand over that server to us unless you want these showing up, you know, in your wife's mailbox. <laughs> and so, you know, they blackmailed him and he had no choice, but he, he, you know, he handed it over, you know, reluctantly, but he told me that this kind of thing, he's talked to other people that this kind of thing happens all the time. Now, again, I didn't know whether to believe him, but this is what he told me at the time. He said, it's far worse than you can even imagine. He said, you could have your phone sitting on the dash of your car parked outside of a bar and because it's able to ping off of the GPS and know that your phone was last seen, you know, there in front of that bar, um, when you're in the bar, you're talking to somebody and their phone is picking up your voice and it's able to take information from you, even though it's not even on your phone. So it's able to pick up bits and pieces of oh, your conversation wow. so that, that, the, that the voice recognition is that good. Yeah, so that's I, insane. So, so there's only one way to know that. And I decided to test it. And, um, I had an event that I was going to be at all day and I was going to be, you know, it was a, a, a job fair and I was going to be shaking hands and talking, interviewing people all day long. And so I brought my cell phone into the building. I powered it off. I shoved it into the bottom of the bag. And then I, um, you know, talked to people all day long. And one of the conversations I had with somebody, I had mentioned tiger team, which is a, 
Tiger team is a kind of slang term in the IT world, um, you know, specifically in cybersecurity, where it's like a rapid deployment team that goes out to deal with you know, either IT technical issues or, or a, a cyber breach, things like that. And I had mentioned a Tiger team to somebody. So the next day, you know, and my, my conversation was very restricted that day to, you know, very limited topics. And so I was expecting to see a lot of those topics show up the next day in my Twitter interest. So the next day I look in my Twitter interest and lo and behold, what shows up is, um, Clemson tigers. So the algorithm didn't know what a tiger team was, but it looked for teams that had tigers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now I, I am not a sports fan. Um, I've, I've never, you know, I've, I've been kind of a geek, you know, and, and, uh, you know, focused on computers and, Amen, and, brother. Amen, and, 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 out, and outdoors activities. I've never really been though, like into professional sports. So I didn't even know there was a team called the Clemson Tigers. I've never searched that. <laughs> I never looked it up, never mentioned it. And yet it shows up on my interests in Twitter the next day. So I'm pretty sure that that's evidence yeah, uh, yeah. Pretty, strong, pretty strong anecdotal evidence that what yeah, this guy that's pretty good me, evidence actually. What, yeah. what this guy was telling me is true. So we have a problem in this country with our intelligence community spying on American citizens, and it is a it is a problem, um, and it, and it's something that you know I believe we are we are living under a police state at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah. For no no there's no there's no there's no doubt about that no doubt. actually. Yeah. And and so you know. We, we've got to correct this. And, and so, you know, that is one of the issues that I'm hoping to uh, be able to address, uh, you know, if I, if I get into Congress. So. Well, well yeah. that's why they freaked out so bad over January 6th, because here came the people and uh Oh, they want answers and they're coming towards us. Oh, the lawmakers, instead of like BLM, they went out into the communities and beat up the people who had nothing to do with what the right. beef was. So the, uh, this is, you know, it, we, you know, when people talk about Joe Biden being compromised by China, I mean, yep. just listening to you tells me that that's absolutely something going on there. Oh, without a doubt. Without I mean, without a doubt, Ukraine, the, the whole Hunter Biden thing. laptop alone, yes. you know, has tons of, of uh, evidence that's been spoken about, you know, of emails and things like that, of deals that were going on. And, you know, and like yeah. some of the information has been released about, you know, giving, you know, uh, giving a percentage to the big guy and things like he's clearly compromised. He should be impeached. Yes. And he should be, he should be investigated, but of course you're not going the only, the only president, uh, whom, whom the, you know, whom the, the executive branch will actually investigate is Donald Trump. You know, it's right. You know, they're not going to they're not going to investigate Joe Biden. Um, the FBI is not going to investigate him. And, well, was, there was the, the famous and, and to be line, honest right? and to be honest with you, you know, um, the separation of powers being what they are, they probably shouldn't. What should happen is the Congress should impeach him. And then it should there should be a, a special uh, a council uh, that's given authority to investigate, um, you know, Biden. Well, right now, right now, Biden should be. I mean, after he left the the classified documents at his house, he literally should be in in cuffs the next day. But because it's Joe Biden, we they're they're just they're probably they're just trying to push him out the other way. Like, oh, just get away, just go away, Joe, just go away. But but really, they could have arrested him that day. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, they won't even touch me. I believe. Yeah, got lots of luck in your senior years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're in your senior years, buddy, and guess what? You're going to the gallows. 
I'm so sick of these people. This is, yeah, we do. We live in a, a police state and they try to keep everybody occupied and busy with apps and phones and TikTok and all. So, you know, there's, they're handing out all this candy to everybody. So, you know, oh, don't pay attention to that. Just have fun. Hey, here's some gender stuff to keep you busy too. How about that? There's a whole new life for you. Don't yeah. look at what we're doing. We and, and, and this, and then I know it's a little bit off tangent, but the uh, the the explosion, the train derailment, and explosion in in East Palestine. I yeah. mean, it's it, yeah. it almost seems like the federal government has barely barely even cares about these people over there. Not it's, a peep. You Not, know? Yeah, you know, and and that that's that's actually in my district. So oh wow. You know, that, so so oh. the, the the plume ended up going over Wheeling, uh, West Virginia. Um, a lot of the oh, the uh, that area has been contaminated. Um, of course, it's contaminated the Ohio River, and the Ohio River runs the you know the length of West Virginia down the the uh, western side, um, and so all of those cities that that border that um, you know going all the way down to Parkersville, um, that's all that's all the second district of West Virginia. So that, that's an issue that um, that 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 concerns me you know very greatly because Horrible. you know it, it, I don't. It's Actually becoming like happened. it's becoming like Mexico right now. Don't drink right. the water, man. Literally, don't but drink the water. Here, you know. Here, here's the thing. You know, accidents happen, and and we don't know what the cause of this thing was yet. I don't think they've released that information. Was this an accident? or Was this intentional? Was this well, terrorism? I think it was you something know, with the brakes on the train, and it, it wasn't looked at. It wasn't. Repaired. Well, that's that's, that's what they. I mean, I think theory. I think, yeah. Now, now the thing is, is that that regardless of of how it happened, how they respond to it. I think matters a, now. Maybe, right. yeah. yes. You know, may, maybe, maybe it was. Maybe the best thing for them to do was to burn it off the way they did because of the, you know, the the danger of a, an explosion uh, that would have taken, you know, a lot of lives. Who knows? But one thing I can I can tell you for certain is that um, that what the American people at the minimum deserve is to be told the truth. And when they come out and the, the EPA you know, uh, you know, comes out and says, Oh, the water's safe to drink. Uh -huh. um, I, I don't believe anything, quite frankly, that the government tells me. No, anymore. not at all. And, Go and, and if, some up and say, here, drink some, I want you to drink a couple of gallons of this, right? Yeah, here, well, us. I'll, I'll tell you where I first experienced, uh, you know, the massive lying by the government was in Japan. I was there during the, uh, the, the big earthquake and, uh, the, the, uh, tsunami and the subsequent, um, nuclear reactor meltdown there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I'll never forget, I was watching the, the Japanese news and, um, and there was a, there was a, a hearing that was being held, um, up near that region where the, where the meltdown had occurred. And they had said, you know, it's safe outside of this area, but you know, they had a quarantine zone, you know, where, where people weren't allowed to go into because of radiation levels being so high. This guy um, came out and he said, you know, you, you've been telling, um, he came up to this, you know, it's like city, city planners meeting or whatever. And he says, uh, you know, you guys have been saying that our water is uh, safe to drink and that we're not irradiated here and that we're safe here. And he walks up with like a big old pitcher that, you know, looks like something you'd serve lemonade out of. Right. Okay. And he sets it down on in front of them on the table. He says, he says, this is a gallon of my urine. He says, I've already tested it and it tested positive for high levels of radiation. Whoa, uh, wow. you're, you know, you're free to test it yourself and everybody at the table backs away from it. But, you know, it, it's like they, they wanted to keep people calm. And so in their mind, the justification, the government of Japan, 
was to not tell people the truth because the reality is, is that telling them the truth wouldn't necessarily help them because the, the damage was so bad. The radiation was spread so far. Yeah. And, and they even did this with the base. panic and yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Well, they even did this on the base. So we were at, um, uh, we were at Yokosuka Naval base and, uh, they weren't telling us anything. Meanwhile, the state department was evacuating their personnel, um, out of uh, Tokyo and, and we were, you know, and radiation is one of those things where when it affects you, you know, you may not see the results of that effect for years. Right. Um, but, but there was, there were people who were, um, who were complaining, um, you know, to the, to the military, you know, cause all of our children and our families and our wives are there and, you know, and, and they were like, you know, Oh, you know, everything's safe, everything's safe. And then one night I'm, I'm working in the command cave, which is up at the top of the, uh, the base. And they had a, a battle lab in there where we did like simulated war games. And so we're, we're working on stuff. And all of a sudden we start getting all these alarms that are popping on the uh, George Washington aircraft carrier. And so of course there was a scramble to go down there and figure out what was going on. Cause they, those alarms are there to detect whether there's a leak, you know, on the nuclear reactor on the um, aircraft carrier. Well, it turns out that the radiation was coming from Fukushima landing on the deck of the aircraft carrier and, Wow. was setting off the alarms and so they had to take the whole fleet out to the ocean oh scrub it down and then and then bring it back and of course once that happened the whole base knew what was going on because you know uh you know you got all those families living there and and the the families you know started raising holy hell with the the army and saying hey when are you going to get us out of here so so they ended up um having the largest evacuation ever in the history of of uh the uh the united states i believe they evacuated the entire um tohoku region uh, all the military bases basically anybody that was non-essential uh was required to leave and but that uh, was I, that was right they weren't but, now I'm, let me make sure i'm getting this right so they they weren't going to do this until this evidence came up yeah right that's right. So, right. Oh, another, uh, and, yeah, a whistleblower, basically. Yeah, and 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 then, mind you, the other thing that happened too um, was we we ended up going. Um, the first thing that they did was, of course, there were all of these panicked, you know, um, family members, and yeah. so they brought us all down to the gym. They made us all line up in a big old huge line at the the basketball courts, and and they they passed out. Um, uh, iodine tablets to everybody. And, you know, and they said, uh, you know, we're, we're giving you these iodine tablets just in case problem is, is that you've got the internet today. So people can quickly look up and see that iodine does nothing for the, I think cesium, whatever it was, cesium one twenty something, or that, that whatever the radiation that was coming out of Fukushima uh, was not uranium based. And so it was, Ooh, it was cesium. Uh... And, and, uh, and so th- th- what they were giving us, was basically just to placate our fears, you know, uh-huh. kind of like the whole. Kind of like the pl- whole. It was a placebo. It was yeah. a placebo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was ba- it was basically the same thing that that Fauci did with the whole masking. You know, oh, wear a mask because it'll make yeah. you feel better. A government you know, fake. It was a government fake. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's so, so I ended up. Um, I learned a lot through that experience, and and I, I I learned that you know when the government does when the, that the government will lie to people when they see it in their interest to keep everybody calm. Yeah. Um, that, 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 and, and so I don't believe that, that that is ever right because I think, you know, if people have the ability and the means to get out of harm's way, mm-hmm. uh, like in the case of what's going on up here in, in, um, 
you know, uh, the Ohio river and, uh, in, oh. in East Palestine, I think, you know, people need to be informed so they can make informed decisions for themselves. Yeah. And then if they want to stay, if they want to drink, you know, bottled water, they can, if they want to drink, if they want to take a chance and boil water and drink it, then, you know, that's on them. Can you imagine but, taking showers with this water right yeah, now? I, I, that I, was, I, 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 uh, I think yeah. I'd become like a hermit. I, I'd be like Rip Van Winkle. You know, I won't take, I won't take a shower for 20 years. Well, that was know? what one of the ladies in an interview said, you know, they're talking about drinking and she goes something about, you know, and we're bathing in it. And I just hit me. Yeah. I was like, I hadn't even thought of that, but yeah, you're well, soaking in it. Sitting I think soaking. the thing that kind of caught my attention really like struck me was uh, that video of that woman who went out and all of her chickens were dead. I can't, I oh. couldn't help but think and how appropriate that it was birds that were dying because, you know, of course, West Virginia has a long history of coal mining right. and they always had, you know, back in the day, they would bring a canary with them into the coal mine yeah. because if the canary uh, died, oh, yes. they needed uh, to get the hell out of there. Right. Right. Good. Point. That was the warning. They needed to get out was when birds were dying. Right. And, so you got birds dying. And people are staying put because the government's telling them it's safe. Ooh, wow, that's that's chilling. That's so yeah. chilling. It's right. Yeah, the, they got foxes up there that are, that are dying. That's they, right. Uh, yep. I feel so sorry for them. And you got the fish. Uh, do, you, and, and, do you show any anything up in your area yet of wildlife? No. So I I am I, I live I, on the eastern Panhandle, so I'm pretty far removed from that. It's about okay. a three hour drive from where I'm at, but um, but it is. Uh, it, it, it's just a terrible thing. And, and, you know, when I looked at like what happened in, um, in Japan, uh, you know, the, the outcome of that was you had massive amounts of some of the most, you know, Japan doesn't have a lot of, um, uh, they don't have a lot of, uh, what do they call it? Uh, livable space, right. They have a lot of mountainous ranges and right. so they don't have very many plains or areas where you can grow a lot of right. food. The Tohoku region was one of those areas that, um, you know, that, that ended, uh, you know, ended up being where there was, uh, um, ended up being one of those areas where you, you basically couldn't grow food anymore. And that was one of their largest areas for growing food. And oh, so it was, wow. pretty, it was pretty bad. So uh, what, a, what, what were the, sim what, so now years later, what's going on with those people? Are there cancers and sickness and there, there were a number of cancers that developed, um, and, and they, they don't have a, a totally free press like we do. And so, um, so a lot of that has been kind of kept contained at the government's discretion to keep people calm. But the reality is, is that many people were exposed to cancer. A lot of children in particular, um, you know, the, the concerns were uh, of them developing uh, thyroid cancer because that's one of the most, um, Oh, uh, one of the most prevalent things that, that happens with people. Yeah. What but about I, pregnant I, women and, you know, yeah, well, I, I remember I had a, um, I had a, there was a pastor, uh, Japanese pastor who lived up there and, and his, his, um, his niece lived in, um, the Fukushima region where the, where the fallout was greatest. And, uh, in about 14, I think it was no, sorry, four months after Fukushima, she developed a very rare form of brain cancer oh, and, and died. Wow. And so th there were, I'm sure there was a number of cases like that, but they weren't as well publicized, you know, um, well, you got people in East Palestine, excuse me, but they know these, they're right now. I mean, yesterday, the day before they're talking, Oh, well, we, we, uh, my, my throat hurts. My eyes are, are, are burning. And some people are having like blue lips. 
I mean, you you don't have if, if, there. There's the canary in the coal mine. If the canary is uh, dead, and and all of a sudden you also have blue lips, oh, you are definitely going to get the hell out of there. Hell out of there. Yeah. Well, and, and they don't know what the long-term effects are of this. Um, uh, my understanding is that uh, the vinyl, vinyl chloride is a carcinogen or that yes, it has, it uh, is. Uh, you know, it has the, the ability to cause cancers and things like that. And, and it, it's really, it's a shame that, uh, you know, that I do believe that these people aren't being told everything. No, no absolutely so, not. Absolutely. Not. And, and that guy, and that guy, that guy, the, the, the governor there, Mike DeWine, he's, he's another, he's another oh. stiff, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Another mouthpiece. Another mouthpiece for the for the for the for the government, the new world order. Yeah, uh, everything is fine. Go ahead, do whatever you want to do. Just let it. Don't worry about a thing. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Thing. Meanwhile, yeah. back when COVID was going, oh, you must wear a mask. Yes, and separate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. What a. Yeah. Fraud. I think I think people have come to the point. At least half the population of the United States has come to the point where they're they're tired of being lied to. Uh, they want transparency in government. Uh, they want to know the truth about what's happening. And I think they're mature enough to handle it. Yes. Um, yes. you know, think things aren't always, I, I don't believe that, that everything is a conspiracy. You know, I do think that things happen. Sometimes accidents happen and occur and, and maybe there are some coincidences, but, but it is weird when you see all of the, you know, the, the media basically ignoring a story and yeah. um, you know, and treating it like it doesn't exist, and they're you know they're spending their time, you know, pushing uh, UFO stories, you know, that turn out to be balloons, and I think one of them being a you know science project from some school, um, you know, it's just it, it's it's crazy. Uh, we ha- we're living in a time where the mainstream media seems to be bought and paid for, uh, and under the control of the intelligence community and the and the government. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. general. And, and they're no longer a free press. And so the, the free press that we have uh, has been, you know, on the Internet and uh, through social media um, and things like that. And Twitter, you know, being one of the has been for a while, you know, one of the best sources of news um, to get breaking stories. And, you know, and then so what did they do is they attack that to try to silence conservatives on Twitter. And I mean, I'm right. still, I'm one of those whose account was permanently banned. I had about, uh, you know, a little over 190,000, um, you know, followers on Twitter. And I was actively speaking about a lot of these issues that we're talking about right now, um, on Twitter. And my account got banned permanently when I submitted a, a request to find out why. And I submitted a, uh, an appeal the response that came back was, well, you know, our algorithm you know, feels that, uh, that your account activity indicates, uh, you know, that you're a bot. And I'm like, well, <laughs> oh, if, wow. if, I, if I'm, if I'm sending you a message, obviously I'm not a bot, All right. you know? So it, it's interesting. So, um, I, so I'm grateful. I wonder, wait, I wonder if they thought that because of all those things that kept being added to your interests or something, maybe they saw that going on <laughs> and it flags. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think they, uh, they didn't, I think that what's come out now with the whole Twitter false thing is that the FBI has had a hand in helping Twitter to determine what accounts that were Russian bots that needed to be, you know, yeah. turned off. We I know that now I would assume that my account was probably one of those that was shut down at their request, because what's interesting is even though a lot of people are getting their accounts back, I still haven't, I've, I've submitted four, uh, appeals 
Oh, and I'm still oh, still yeah. waiting on my account to be, um, you know, to be be unlocked or or, or unpermanently banned. But you're on and other platforms. I am. I am. I'm on. Yeah. I'm on True, True Social. I'm. It's probably where I post the most. And my my uh, um, my handle there is. I wasn't one of these smart guys that you know thought that I was going to have a life that was going to be all out in the open and then public. So. <laughs> not a lot of thinking went into when I created handles. So they're different on every platform. Oh. I do. I do have a, a singular um, handle that is uh, for all the platforms for my, for my campaign, but my personal um, account that I, I do the most posting on is uh, at MC POTA, MC POTA. On that's on MCPOTA. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that, that was my, that was my, um, code name that was assigned to me, uh, when I was a a whistleblower. Um, and so that's on all the documents and everything that I have, which is kind of cool. So when my, my, uh, my lawyer, he was a Cuban dissident, um, and saw his father put into a work camp in, in Cuba. And then they came, they fled, fled to America. So he has a, a, a total hatred and, and, and distrust of communism. And um, mm-hmm. when he chose my name, he chose MC Pota. I didn't have a say in it. And he tells me, and I'm like, MC Pota, you couldn't pick something cooler than that. You know, <laughs> like if I'm going to have a code name, why can't it be something, you know, you know, something like James Bondy, you know, kind of like, and he goes, yeah. he goes, no, he says, this is a really cool name. And I go, well, what does it mean? He goes, it stands for making communists pay out the ass. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so at that point i was like i own this man i love it <laughs> it's like okay i'll take it i'll take it um yeah so yeah all right so so just to recap all right so uh that's amazing though the, the first you were basically the first whistleblower and uh and, and so essentially the clintons are guilty as hell they have been guilty as hell for a long time and quite frankly uh, i think the rumors about them murdering a lot of people who had dirt on them are true you mean you talking about Vince Foster and all those yeah, guys? That's right. Or? That's right. All well, we'll, we'll 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 never know. We'll we'll, we'll never. Well, you know, that's how they'd like it. A lot of people have asked me, "How did you survive <laughs> between the FBI, the Clintons, and uh, Russian intelligence agents? And how did I walk away from this?" Well, alive? you almost didn't, right? I I almost didn't. Um, I, I believe that I believe God actually had His hand of protection on me, and. Um, but I had a moment where I was working down. This was after I blew the whistle and after I got fired from my job at the VA because the FBI ensured that, uh, that they let me go. Uh, and then I ended up getting a job with a contractor down in DC, um, doing cybersecurity for the Navy. So, um, while I was working at this company, they had a parking garage that was, you know, the doors were open during the day and they didn't have any cameras down there, but, but, um, you know, it was, a parking garage. So I would park down there and, and I ended up going down one day and, and getting ready to go home. And I reached up under the door handle and my door handle was wet on the underside of my door handle, uh, which, you know, of course didn't make any sense. It was a dry day outside. It was sunny, uh-huh. um, but you know, it was an, under, it was an underground parking garage. So I figured, you know, that's gross. You know, did something spill? Did somebody spill a drink or something? I don't know. I couldn't figure out what it was, but I just, I just wiped it off on my pants because i was grossed out by it and then you know i got in my car and left well i got about halfway down the road to my home and i started having double vision i had a massive um swelling that started taking place like at the base of my skull and um you know uh, and then i ended up uh having ataxia 
and all these symptoms. So I went to the doctors and they, they did a bunch of tests and, um, they squeezed me in and they're, you know, doing the, you know, follow my finger kind of thing. And I guess one of my eyeballs was moving and the other wasn't. And, uh, so the, and I, I was starting to have slurred speech and I couldn't walk in a straight wow, line. Wow. This is a yeah. crazy story. Yeah. 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 So yeah. the, so the doctor, um, the doctor immediately sent me to the emergency room, um, cause she thought I was having a stroke. And, uh, so they, they, they ran an MRI, MRA, um, and, and nothing came out of that. Like none of their tests showed anything. So they sent me to a specialist cause it persisted by the way for, for about, I want to say it was about three or four weeks. Whoa, man. Um, and, and I ended up, um, going to one of the best, you know, top neurologists in Washington, DC. He's been, uh, in the field for over 50 years. Uh, the guy looks like he's like eight years old or something, but really brilliant guy. And he, he ran, he ordered a MRA MRI, uh, with and without contrast, a, um, uh, uh what do they call that? A, a ultrasound of my carotid arteries, uh, an EEG where they look at the electronic, you know, signals going on in the brain. Uh huh. Um, and, and several other tests that I don't even remember, but bottom line is, is that they all came back negative, every single one of them with nothing. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was happy to find out. He said, look, um, your arteries are pristine. Like I had no plaque buildup in any of my arteries in my brain or my, or my heart or nothing. Wow. Which was kind of a nice thing to hear. Yeah, that is. And, um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, and I, I, so the thing is, is that when, um, when I ended up, you know, afterwards he was scratching his head and he goes, you know, I gotta be honest with you. So I've been in this industry for 50 years and I've never seen a case. Well, he says, I take that back. I've seen one case like yours. He says, but it doesn't make any sense. He said, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm in cybersecurity. And he goes, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. He says, the only case that I've ever dealt with that was like yours where nothing showed up on any of our tests was a guy who worked for a, um, a chemical manufacturing company. And he had touched some industrial chemicals that absorbed through the skin and he had, had forgotten to put his gloves on and he ended up, you know, having all the same symptoms that you're having and there it is uh, without it showing up. And when he said that immediate, cause at the, you know, at the time when I, you know, pulled my door handle, I, I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was yeah. some, you know, something gross. And so I, I just wiped my hand. But mm-hmm. when he said that it immediately, I realized what was going on. And, uh, and I realized I had likely been poisoned. So I reached out and I contacted, um, uh, I think it's called Carlson Institute or something like that. They, they Tucker do Carlson was just, that to do with Tucker no, Carlson. I was just kidding. No, this was, uh, this was the, this was the, they're the one, they're the ones who do all of the poison testing for the FBI. Um, once, you know, when they, they send tissue or whatever to be tested. Right. So I contacted them. I spoke to one of their guys. I sent over my labs to them. Um, he looked at him. He said, yeah, he said, you he said, there, there are 14 chemicals based on what you described that would do what, you know, would basically show all the same symptoms and would show up on none of these reports. He said, the only way that we could really do it is we'd have to do a hair follicle, um, analysis to identify, you know, those chemicals in your hair and because it can stay up to like three months, but it, it was like a $6,000 test, which, you know, I, oh. yeah, I didn't have the money for that. And then he said, um, and then on top of it, he says, you know, and, and to be honest with you, those are for known chemicals like that you would see at a plant or something like that. He says, if this is a nation state, 
type of thing, like, you know, Russian uh-huh. intelligence uh-huh. agents. Uh-huh. He said, um, then, you know, there's another test that we could do. It costs about $12,000, <laughs> Of course, but all it will identify as an unknown substance. It won't tell oh. you what it is. So I decided yeah. against, you know, doing the test, but, um, uh, but eventually, you know, my symptoms started to abate, you know, the first thing that, that I got back was my speech and then, um, you know, and then the, the, the droopiness, you know, going on with my face and, and my and, then you, and then you found a new, you found like a new passion to start playing the violin, like a near death experience. All of a sudden you were like a great violin player as well, Nate, right? <laughs> no, that it's wasn't like that. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I've never heard. No, of that. I've I, heard of people getting hit, hit in the head for and yeah. half. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it no, reminds I, me. There's a movie called The Jackal with Bruce the Willis Jackal, in it, uh-huh. and uh, this is one of the scenes where uh, he 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 knows that someone's after him, so he goes. He parks a van in the garage, and he brings this this can of stuff out. He covers his mouth and he sprays it on the door handle and he walks away. A guy comes up, opens, and then minutes later he's foaming at the mouth and he's dead. Oh, gee, that's how oh, it is. That's, it's a good I'm going to have to go see that, man. I haven't seen that. <laughs> oh, it's a good movie. It's a, well, he's, he's, he, Bruce, Bruce Willis is trying, he's trying, he's got all these methods about how he's going to assassinate wow. the president or the vice president. That's and interesting. It's a fascinating, it's well, a, you know, really, you know, a lot of these books that the authors, they go and they study, you know, declassified documents and things like that. So yeah. that'd be interesting to see. Like I, cause I, I've never looked into the, the door handle technique or anything like that, yeah. but, but that would be interesting if that's a known. There's your movie for the weekend. The, the, so the like, jackal. In the, well, yeah. in the cybersecurity world, what we do is, um, you know, we, we create, um, profiles to, to help with attribution. So different methods and techniques that different, you know, actors, bad actors might use helps us to identify who might actually be, you know, the, the, um, you know, what government, uh, or what, uh, organized crime unit may be involved in a particular hack. I, I wonder if the same holds true. I imagine it would be the same holding true with like assassination attempts. That and, certain people and, use certain types of things and others. Yeah, and you really want to go to Washington, Nate? Huh? You really, you you just you take a deep dive into Washington, <laughs> into no, the, sw- um, the, the literal swamp. You know what I mean? Well, Nate, no, tell, but, tell Nate. Tell so what you're doing, Nate. You're running for. I, I'm running for the the second district, um, U.S. House of Representatives for West Virginia. Right. And um, the, the truth is, is I, I don't want to go to Washington. Um, I've got I've got every reason to to not do that, yeah. uh, the world standards. I mean, I've got a great business. I've started my own company two years ago. Yeah. Uh, security company has been successful. Um, I have one of the best contracts one somebody could, you know, desire where, you know, my work schedule six to two. And so I'm off at two in the afternoon and, yeah. and in the summertime, I live near the Potomac river, a deep, nine mile stretch of deep water. I'm out on my boat enjoying life. Hey, yeah, yeah. you could swim. You could swim. You could literally swim to Washington DC is what you're trying to say. <laughs> I'm just saying that life is good. Yeah, life, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you the actor's that. life. You got the, actor's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I, I've got a great, I've got a great life. And, and after five years of really, you know, having the investigation into me, you know, hanging over my head because they, the FBI never tells you when they're done investigating you. And that, that they just, they just basically, put your stuff on a shelf somewhere down in Quantico uh-huh. and they, they, and want they, they no longer guessing. pay attention. Right. They want to keep you silent with eyes and, in the um, back of your head. 
That's right. That's right. So, so I just, you know, finally have kind of reached that point where my life and my level of anonymity, you know, can go back to some level of normalcy. And, and and I I was looking, (laughs) I was looking forward to that, you know, and, uh, but, but uh, back in November um, after the election, I was looking at the results that happened up in Pennsylvania and what happened in Arizona. And I I was really disappointed in a lot of what occurred. Mm -hmm. And then just seeing, you know, the, Biden administration and, and, and how they've handled things. And, um, and so I was praying and I was, I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, I pray that you'd raise up godly men and women to run for office. And I heard this still small voice in my head say, well, what about you? (laughs) So, so I was uh, immediately taken aback. And I said, well, uh, I started making excuses of why I couldn't run for office. You know, one, um, I haven't, I've only lived in West Virginia for two years uh, you know, I don't, you know, I can't run for governor. I can't run for Senate. Um, I could run for congressman, but that would have to take a major pay cut. But yeah. even still, if I did that, uh, there was already somebody there, um, Alex Mooney, and he's had a conservative record and, uh, he won by like 77% of the vote. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to go up against an incumbent. No. There's no reason to do that. And so, so I, I made a deal with God and I said, Lord, if you want me to run, then you got to make me a path. And if you do, then I'll run two days later. And I'm thinking like four years down the road, six years down the road, I'm thinking you know, <laughs> yeah, right. something will open up and the signs, you know, the stars will align and I'll know it's, it's, it's time for me to run. But no, what ended up happening was two days later, um, my, my company was involved in a case, uh, out in, you know, out in uh, Los Angeles. And it, there were some things that were revealed that were of a national security matter. And I was reaching out to Alex Mooney, um, so I was typing his name into Google search bar, uh, so I can pull up his site and get his, you know, email and all of that to send his, uh, office, a, a, an email. And when I typed in his name, it pops down and says two minutes ago, Alex Mooney announces he is going to run for Joe Manchin's Senate seat in 2024. Huh. So I was like, Oh, Ding. all right, God. <laughs> so, okay. so um, at, at the time, nobody had announced, you know, that they were running, um, and, and so I, I went ahead and I filed with the FEC and then shortly thereafter, you know, a number of other people have jumped into it. So it's, it's not going to be an easy run. Um, no. I'm going up against some, you know, really establishment, um, Republicans here in, oh, in West Virginia. Moore, right? Yeah. Moore, yeah. Uh, he comes from money and yep, he's yep. polished and, and you're just a nice guy trying to uh, do the right exactly. thing. Exactly. You know, and there's, you know, there's some interesting things about him too. You know, he spent most of his uh, early career as a lobbyist. Ah. And, uh, ah. and he was, and he was the vice president of the Podesta Group in 2016. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> interesting. The notorious John Podesta and family That's there. Nuts. Yeah. yeah so right. you know, I, so I, there's there. I have some concerns, you know, about him, obviously. And um, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, he's done. He's done a good job as the treasurer for the last you know couple of years, and and he was a state delegate before that. And so I am going up against an established, you know, politician. And then, you know, there's another guy running who's, who's, um, very polished and, and he, um, you know, he's got some good political advisors and obviously there's somebody that's backing him with some money. Um, and he, George, he, George Soros. I'm just kidding. No, I, I don't, I hope not. I hope not, but he, you know, but all, all of these people are running as, you know, America first, you know, candidates. So, so I had a, a meeting that I, I went to and, and I, you know, and I, I just, I got up and I, I said, look, I, I said, cause we all had 10 minutes to kind of give our spiel. 
So I stood up and I just said, look, um, you know, I could tell you all about the policies and what I believe in and rattle off a bunch of statistics. But the reality is, is that all of us here, you know, are America first candidates. We all, you know, believe in the, the Republican uh, platform. And, um, you know, and that's where I stand on the issues. I said, so if I got 10 minutes and only 10 minutes, I want to tell you about who I am and what different, you know, what differentiates me from the other candidates that are out there. I said, and the bottom line is, is, you know, I'm a former FBI whistleblower that, that made the, the difficult call and the difficult choice to do the right thing when it would cost me everything. And I said, uh, and I did that because I know, uh, you know, that, that someday, you know, I'm going to answer, you know, to the man upstairs for my actions. And, and I, and I, and I believe that we have a responsibility and a duty to take this country and pass on, you know, to our next generation, to our children and our children's children, um, you know, a country that has the same freedoms and the same, um, you know, benefits and things that, that were passed on to us. And I, I kind of, you know, that's kind of the line I went down and just talking about that. And I talked about how the biggest concerns I have right now in our country are the constitution. And yeah. in particular, our, the Bill of Rights is being violated left and right by yeah. our government and by these companies in conjunction with the government. And so, you know, we need people who are going to have the courage to stand up against the lobbyists, to stand up against these big corporations, and to stand up against the government and and to essentially investigate these things mm-hmm. and to go and, um, you know, now, hold hearings. Are you going to uh, have any more debates or whatever what, get togethers with the other, uh, other guys? Yes. Yes. So, so there's, so I'm right now, um, my schedule is getting extremely crazy and uh, I'm fighting exhaustion because of just every night of the week we're going oh, somewhere, wow. but, but we've got um, all of the Republican committees and clubs um, were, were going and speaking at those. There's 27 counties in, in the second district of West Virginia. It's basically if you drew a line uh, from Parkersville uh, and you you went, uh, you know, basically east from there all the way to the panhandle and then the panhandle dips down all of that and above. So the northern panhandle, the eastern panhandle and the top half of the state basically fall in the second district. All right. So so it's a it is it's quite an undertaking. And and unlike um, a lot of areas where you have like massive cities. West Virginia is a very rural uh, area. Even even though we do have some big cities, um, really the, the biggest cities are Martinsburg, which is near where I live, and then you've got Wheeling, um, you know, up in the northern Panhandle, and you have Parkersburg uh, in the west, and and there's a few other you know kind of mid-sized cities in, in between. But the reality is is that that um, most of these counties are very spread out, very rural. You've got you know one or 2000 people, you know, in each district right, um, right. that, that vote and uh, that vote Republican. And so, yeah. so the best thing for me to do, because I don't have a massive amount of money behind me. Uh, I don't have lobbyist money behind me. I don't have, you know, any major packs, you know, donating in my campaign is I've got to basically do this on a shoestring budget and get in front of as many people as I can. That's so, incredible. You're so the carpenter. You're the carpenter. Everybody else is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. That's so I'm going, so I'm going around and, and we're, we're scheduling, um, 
we're renting out halls um, with like the the Ruritan or the American Legion or some of these other uh-huh. you know places that can seat like maybe a hundred people, and you know we're scheduling it, and then we then the the tough part is we've got to advertise and we got to get yes. and that's what costs money is we've got to advertise to the local radio, the local newspaper, to um, Facebook, and and those are kind of the the main advertisement, uh, you know, means of, of reaching people. And then we've got to go out and talk to the churches, talk to the veterans groups, talk to, and, and reach out with phone calls and say, Hey, you know, if we give you a, a flyer, will you post it in your hall and let people know that I'm going to be speaking on this day at this place. And that is our strategy. So it's very I don't difficult. Know, I don't know if it's going to be a winning strategy, but it's, it's the only strategy that I have available to me. Um, I was looking at, I did talk to a political advisor and, um, cause I was talking to a fundraiser and, and, and she recommended this guy and he called me up and we talked for a little bit. Nice guy, um, has been helped a lot of people be successful, but you know, these guys, they don't work for free. And, um, so when I was talking to him and you know, the, they were recommending that the best thing that I could do would be to send out a mailer. Um, to get it to a lot of these people. Cause a lot of these places don't even have internet or they don't have, uh, you know, radio signal, yeah, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's very rural. And so a, ma- a direct mailer to, to, you know, people who, um, have, have donated in the past or have voted in the you know, Republican in the past. And, um, but when we looked into, it, it's like, you're talking, you know, maybe a hundred thousand people at like, you know, two fifty a pop right. For mm-hmm. printing and mailing. Yeah. And so now you're talking like, you know, 300,000. I mean, Alex Mooney, who won this district, like I said, by 77%, you know, as an incumbent spent 6 million. <laughs> okay. Whoa! So, yeah. so I'm, you know, so, uh, you know, am I a long shot candidate? Um, I would say absolutely. Yeah. Uh, does that mean that I don't have a chance of winning? I would say no. no uh, I think, mean I think, I think God can do, amazing things. And, uh, and I can, you know, the right people can come along. Things can happen. I mean, how, it's just like, uh, you ever played, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, fantasy football. Okay. I'm not into sports, but I did get into fantasy football cause I love the statistics of everything. And, and so I remember when I got in that, I thought, Oh man, I can game the system because, you know, I'll do all this research. I'll find all the stuff. I'll know who the best players are. And, and I had like really great strategies. And then somebody would get injured and they would be out for the rest of, you know, and so, <laughs> so there's all kinds of things that can happen in a campaign. Something could happen that could elevate my name, you know, in the public, something could happen that could, you know, you know, devastate, you know, one of the other candidates. Um, sure. There's a whole lot of things that can happen. And so, so I'm you not, don't put those in I'm the not, mix, you know, forget no, about it. And, no. and I'm not discounting at all uh, anything that might happen. I know this much though. Every single person that I've talked to in West Virginia thus far, when I've talked to them, I connect with them and, and they, I think walk away from it feeling like, you know, this guy gets me, this guy understands he's a man of the people. You know, I'm not a politician. I'm not a career politician. I've never wanted to be a career politician. No, no. And, and to be honest with you, um, I want to get in, make some changes, particularly um, you know, to, to shore up our civil rights and to protect our, our, uh, bill of rights in the constitution. Um, I want to get in there and expose some corruption. So I'm definitely running as a, a grassroots uh, candidate. Um, the good thing about that is it gets me in front of the people. 
the only way to win is to actually reach out and talk to people and listen to them and hear their concerns and hear the things that are issues for them. Um, my wife and I, we drove, we drove around, um, the, the 27 counties, uh, we did two trips, uh, to be able to get all of those counties, um, and, and be able to see the different issues that were going on in them. And, you know, I was, I was very surprised there was, you know, Th this area of the Eastern Panhandle, Panhandle is kind of, it's, it's in its own little corridor. That's a, you know, kind of a bedroom community to Northern Virginia. You know, it's like a more of an extension of Northern Virginia in terms of the issues that, um, uh, that they deal with, but you go just a little bit West of here and you have the Appalachians and there are a lot of oh, people yeah. who live in those areas. It's, it's primarily agriculture. And, um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of cattle farms and dairy farms and, and, uh, you know, farmers that are growing wheat and corn and soybean and, and they're very much affected by a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of these green energy, um, you know, nonsense, uh, you oh, know, cow, cow fart taxes and crap like that. So, you know, so those are some of the issues that, that, you know, are very important is to protect, you know, protecting our, our beef supply, protecting our our cattle industry and protecting our farmers. Um, you know, I would never have even known that because it's, it's such a rural area. It's not like there's any easy way to get in the, in and out of there. You literally are driving up and over mountains and down into what they call haulers and then back up and over another mountain and down into another hauler. And so we, we drove through all of those counties and saw what that was like. And, um, and then, and then you go a little bit further west and you end up kind of in another corridor where you have a lot more, um, you know, kind of retail business and uh, maybe some manufacturing. Uh, there's an, an area where it has a strong FBI presence, just kind of funny because that would be uh, my district. Uh, 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 uh. Um, and, then, and then you've got, you know, like Morgantown University um, in that area. And, and there's, that's really the only pocket of liberals in, left in, in West Virginia is up there. And then, uh, and then you go further west, and it's all oil and gas and coal. And uh, the oil, gas, and coal industry um, are huge. The the Utica and Marcellus um, uh, shale oil fields are are under western West Virginia, and you know, and they spread into other states too. But like the entire western uh, West Virginia uh, in in the second district is is basically sitting right on top of the one of the largest. Uh, shell oil supplies in the world. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, industry, a lot of drilling, uh, fracking, and uh, of course, coal mining. Yeah. And there, there's that, that whole industry, of course, has been, you know, very badly damaged by, uh, you know, the current policies of this current administration. Oh, yeah. And it's one of the reasons why this, this state loves Trump and, uh, you know, really, um, came out to vote for Trump was because if you'll, you don't, if you don't remember Hillary Clinton came to West Virginia and she said, we're going to shut down all these coal mines. Oh, I remember. And, <laughs> and they hated her guts from that point forward. Yeah. And so, so, so if anything, when I tell people that I blew the whistle on Hillary Clinton, you know, I'm kind of a hero in their eyes. You know, so, well, didn't so Joe it, Biden it, show up to the same area? And he's like, yeah, everybody, if you learn to coal, you can learn to code. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Was that the same area, right? I don't remember if that was the same area, but I do know it that was, you know, yeah. if if Biden showed up here, uh, he probably would mistaken it for some other state because he couldn't even <laughs> remember where it was half the time. And he so. might actually get what he deserves. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, well, I mean, that, exactly. I mean, you're doing some work, you're some footwork that uh, yeah. you're doing it yourself. A lot of people, they have money. They hire a bunch of other yeah. people to do it. I, and, I, and, yeah. My That's campaign great. manager is my wife. Yeah. And, wow. uh, you know, and she was like, you know, I am not cut out for this. But I said, I said, babe, I said, you're, I said, you're my only hope. <laughs> you are now. <laughs> I said, I said, you've been voluntold. <laughs> and, uh, voluntold. <laughs> so, so she's, uh, but she is awesome. I mean, she is really, um, she's a go-getter and it's funny because I'm seeing this different woman that I, I, you know, she's always been kind of shy and quiet and reserved, but she's outspoken now. And like, when we go out to somewhere, she's out there working the crowd, shaking their hands, talking oh, that's to them, great. getting okay. their cards, handing out my cards. And so, you know, it, it's, uh, I definitely, um, if I'm, if I keep going at this pace, um, you know, it, I, I've got to step up my game from this. I mean, like right now, you know, we're still early. We haven't raised, you know, nearly enough funds to do anything. So I need to raise, um, you know, I need to raise enough money to be able to right, do the you could do like, you could do it. You could do, you could do oral Roberts, remember? Or if you don't give me $8 million to buy next week, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, the Lord's going to take me. Is that what it, yeah. you remember, remember oral Roberts said that? Did he Mike? do that? Oh. Yeah, re, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I don't no, remember. Oh, that's I, right. You know, now if I had, in it. <laughs> l- listen, there, there are 700,000 voting age, um, a little over 700,000 voting age citizens in the second district of that, um, about, uh, three, well, about half of them voted. And of that half, um, about three quarters of that half voted Republican. Uh, if so, I'm not really good at math, but basically if I had, a considerable number of people who, you know, were willing to even just donate $50, you know, right. it would be enough, uh, you know, to get me going. And, and the problem is, is that in primaries, you know, nobody knows who's going to be the winner, who's going to be the front runner. And so, you know, people like to bet on the horse that they think is going to win. The reality is, is that the really only race that there is in West Virginia is the primary because um, the it's so overwhelmingly Republican here. Whoever wins the primary is likely going to win the general. Right. Um, you know, unless, yeah. unless you go out and, you know, you get, you get caught, uh, uh, you know, with a hooker and, and, and cocaine and, uh, you know, a crack pipe. Oh, wait, we're talking about oh. uh, Biden now, but <laughs> no, no, you know, uh, no. So the reality is, is unless you do something really stupid or, or you die, uh, you know, then you're, you're likely going to win, uh, Congress if you, if you won the primary. And well, that's uh, if, if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, right. you do all those things, you're fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. Whores, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so there, so there's a, there's a, I, re, I have a real need um, for, you know, Pennsylvania is also it's it's a it's a state that has a high level of poverty. Um, so you know it, it's it, it is uh, it, and it comes very unnatural for me to ask for money. You know, to be honest, um, that, that's something that's really. I need to get over with if if I'm going to run for office, I got to get over that. So I know it's awkward. So I do I do need support. I need people, um, your listeners, and anybody else because you know people think oftentimes, well, you know, why would I give money to a candidate out of state? Well, the reality is is that for Congress in particular, um, you know, you, they're one represent one representative in 435, and so if you yeah. you know if you want to to ensure that the Republicans take the house and not just take the house, but have, uh, you know, maintain it and have the, the super majority. We need to get a super majority so that we can overcome any veto. Um, but the reality is, is that, that it takes uh, a majority of votes. So yeah. it behooves us to support candidates in other States and in other 
districts that yes. um, are good candidates. Yes, that's right. a good point. That is such, and I, believe yeah. me, believe me, George Soros is sending money to people out of state. Okay, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I spent. You know, I, I actually this last election was the first election I actually had donated money to, uh, to people outside of you know my district. I, I donated money um, uh, to to uh, the governor's race in Pennsylvania and to some congressional races where there were freedom caucus members that were running and I wanted to see them win. Uh And, um, you know, and because I think we need people who are going to fight for us, for we, the people, you know, and that are going to be interested in our needs and our desires and not going after the special interests uh, lobbyists that are, are basically, um, you know, buying them and, yeah. and that they, they become, everybody. yeah, they become beholden to them. So I, there's a couple of pledges that I've made on my, on my website. My website is Nate Kane.win, W I N. So Nate Kane.win. Um, it will get you to my campaign site. And it's C A I N, not C A N E. That's right. Like it's like Kane and Abel, no yeah. relation. <laughs> Nate uh-huh. Kane, say it again, the website. Nate Kane. Dot win. Nate Kane dot no is that it? Nate Kane yep. dot win. Okay. Yep. yep. When when is a new? It's a new. I couldn't get Nate Kane dot com because some some kid had it for his family photos and of I tried course. to buy it from him, but but I didn't <laughs> have enough, I didn't have enough money to be able to to <laughs> offer a, a compelling. Uh, you know, I think I offered him like five hundred bucks, and he's like laughed at me. So I mean, you're really broke if you can't even. Hey, kid. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? I'll give you fifty bucks. Oh, I don't even have fifty bucks. Okay, hey, five hundred bucks. The guy said, "You know, hey, you, you, that, I mean, it's not like he's he's just doing it for photos, and he and he turns down five hundred bucks." Hey, I had a thing. I, this has happened to me because you you know what, like you were talking about earlier, Nate. You you know that you know you want your 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 handles everywhere to be the same, right. otherwise it creates. So I always just go with at Michael Clive. Well. From and I've got it everywhere else. I'm on Getter and Truth. It's at Michael Clive. Yeah. So over at Twitter, when I've I'm not on there anymore, but when I was, I mean, this was we're talking eight nine years ago. Yeah. I went to sign up, and some guys got at Michael Clive already, and he yeah. has one tweet. It's still sitting there. Uh, one yeah. tweet uh, that says, "Hey, I got a Twitter account." That's it. Yeah. Yeah, this, like, oh, give, give me that. You know. Yeah, his his uh, his webpage hasn't had any activity for like five years, so it's kind of like I was like, you know, I sent him a message and and I got a response. I think from his father. I think the kid's now in college or something. But the father said, yeah, you know, uh, you know, he had some photos on there, but I don't think he'd be interested in doing anything for you know for that little, you know, yeah. Are you a Republican? Oh no, we're not. No, we're Democrats. <laughs> oh, you, you can't. Do yeah. That. Are you hitting so, on my son? What is going on here? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. Yeah. Who knows? Well, Pat and I know all about doing the grassroots thing because we had a yeah, well, last year we did a we did a we did a two state world tour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We did a live stage shows and um, it was wild, but we had to do everything ourselves. So, you know, with the, yeah. the radio advertising, that was that was easy because I just did it. But then, yeah. you know, you got to you got to buy the ad time. Then you got to come up with banners and ads. And then, oh, yeah, you, you try well, like newspaper, even, you try this, you try. Oh, that. yeah. Oh, my yeah. And, it, and it's 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 crazy. Like there's things that, you know, you just don't know until you've done this. And so, like, I, I went out and I bought a banner had a banner design and everything. And, and I had to pay for my logo, right. You know, and have that so that nobody can claim copyright. Everything you do when you're running, right. You have to do it by the book 
And like, even I, I can't even just donate to my own campaign. I can only give what the maximum allowed is. And then anything beyond that has to be a loan. Oh, so it's, it's, wow. it's crazy that like you would think, you know, if you want to spend your own money on your campaign, you should be able to do that. But yeah, right. no, it's, it's crazy. So I, I've got all these, like well, the, Bill and I did it. Well, well how come, didn't Trump, didn't Trump put a lot of money of his own money into his yeah, campaign? And, yeah. But he also had to go back and, and, and basically change everything to a loan and be paid back by the oh, campaign right. because that was the, the law under the FEC. Hmm. We used to so, call that red tape. Yeah, <laughs> in the eighties, yeah. it was red tape, red tape. So, so these these town hall style meetings, I think, is really the the key um, to to getting out there and and winning. Um, you know, getting endorsements is going to be tough because there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of the people that are politically connected. Uh, well, for one. I don't think any lobbyist is going to want to endorse me. I don't think any company necessarily is going to endorse me because one of the promises I've made on my webpage is I've made a, a I've made a commitment that I will not meet with a lobbyist without it being recorded and made public. That is, I believe that is the only way to ensure that nobody can ever accuse me of, of being corrupted by it. That's interesting. Um, That's there, interesting. there are lobbyist groups that I certainly will meet with. I mean, obviously, you know, there's lobbies that are good. You know, I, I the NRA, uh, you know, gun owners of America, the, you know, the, the right to life. Those are, those are all lobbies I support even, and even the, the corporate lobbies that deal with, you know, the energy industry, I absolutely would support those. I mean, that's a huge issue for West Virginia. Um, anything in the agriculture industry, I'm going to talk to those people and meet with them. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to be beholden to anybody. The only people that I will be beholden to is the people of West Virginia. That's right. it. That's right. awesome. And, and so, so I'm not going to allow for, for them to, um, try to bribe me. And cause that's what I believe happens, you know, in, in behind closed doors, they, they call it a gift. I call it a bribe, but, um, oh, you know, if you it, know. if it's all done publicly, if it's all done publicly, then I think it's acceptable. If some company wants to, you know, wants to, um, you know, back me up and, and support me because they, they think that I'm, you know, good for business. So that's fine. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, I'm not going to make decisions based on, you know, what is in their best interest. I'm going to make decisions based on what's in the best interest of West Virginians. Yeah. It's such and a scam. That, it's such yeah. A scam. And so it, it is, uh, I just listened in fact to a podcast, the, uh, I think uh, one of Donald, uh, uh, Donald Trump Jr.'s, um, new triggered podcast he had on, um, Marjorie Taylor green. And she talked about that and she is a, uh, she's a big advocate, um, for not taking money from a lobbyist. And so, you know, she, she is a hundred percent, you know, grassroots, you know, yeah. uh, yeah. funded person. And so I'm, I'm trying to follow that same, but, you know, but that she, same but she loves, but she loves Kevin McCarthy quite a lot. If you know what I mean? Boy, she's, have, well, have she, you ever seen, she, have you ever she, seen the loving eyes into, she, I mean, she's practically <laughs> yeah, in love with Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, that, that's that, well, that, that globalist. She, she explained, um, she explained that on the, on the show. And, uh, you know, but basically she said that when, when she got cut out of all of the, you know, all of the, the committee assignments, um, you know, she, she went to his office and talked to him and spoke to him. And he actually, over a period of time, she was able to, to get him to see that, you know, that the, the Republican party, this is what they want. They want candidates like her. They want people who are addressing these issues who are fighting for the things that she's fighting for. And so a lot of, um, you know, he listened to her and he, he took her advice and he's, he's actually been doing a pretty decent job as, uh, 
you know, as our, our, um, yeah, not too bad. Nah, yeah. yeah. Except for one but, thing, except for, yeah. to, to some degree, he's been doing a little better because he's been pushed. He's been forced to well, do yeah, a little like, better. He was extorted. Yeah. He was like, you know, Hey man, this yeah. is, you know, but he got sure, the BLM treatment. He's, he got to, he got to worry about him with the January 6th stuff. He's very, he's still, he's still a globalist. He's still Frank Luntz's best friend and whatever right. that's all about, you know, so you, you know, he, Luntz with his white house know. set in his home. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> he's got I don't an know Oval you... office in his home. Frank Luntz does crazy. Yeah. yeah. Have you, have you seen, have you seen though? Um, have you had a chance to watch any of these speaking of January 6th, uh, any of these hearings, um, they, they've been pretty good. Yeah, uh, Jim Gordon, some, yeah. Um, and 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 uh, I mean, this, the questions that they've been asking and the um, what they've been doing, I think, is is extremely important. Um, you know, back to the issue of the Bill of Rights. You know, our First Amendment gives us the right to. Well, it doesn't give us anything. It it protects these God given rights that we have, and that's a clear uh, thing that people need to understand. Right. These are God-given rights, and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights in particular was there to protect those rights and to enshrine them. And, you know, and that's why they're, they're negative rights. They're basically what the government is not allowed to do. You know, it's not allowed to infringe on you know, our Second <laughs> Amendment right. It's not allowed you mean to— you're not supposed to. That's right. It's they not, they're not supposed to infringe on our right to free speech. And, and included in that First Amendment is the right to assemble peaceably— Mm-hmm. and to make your grievances known to the government. Mm-hmm. Now, January 6th, for 99% of the people that were there, that is what they were doing. Yep. Right. Was there a 1% contingent that were causing trouble, that were um, you know, causing property damage and uh, assaulting officers? Sure. And Ray Epps and the FBI informants. And that, the, right, mm-hmm. exactly. Instigators. But, the, and but the fact is, is that when they opened the gates and they allowed people to walk peaceably through the Capitol, uh, you know, at most, if somebody was told to turn around and leave and they didn't, at most, you're talking about a misdemeanor yeah. trespassing. Yeah. You're not talking about felony. Yet these people have been kept in jail for yeah. over two years. They've been denied another one of their rights, which is a right to a speedy trial, and another one of their rights, which is a right to bail. Yeah. And and a right to a fair trial. Nobody's get no conservative is getting a fair trial no, in Washington DC. No. This is Nazi stuff. This is Nazi it is. imperial it Japan is. And, Chinese and, crap. And every American should be afraid of that. Oh, that for sure. Not, that is not, you know, I can't remember who it was that said it. Um I don't know if it was Thomas Jefferson or one of the founders, but they said that the the government should uh the a, a people that was it a, a government that fears the people will be a good government, but a government that the people fear will be a bad government or terrible. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And that, that is Jeez. the truth. You know, we, the government should fear the people, you well, know, we'd um, be within our rights to just form a group of thousands of people and go surround the white house, surround the FBI building and say, what's up guys. We want some answers. Right. Uh, but, yeah. you know, you try to organize that as a conservative and you're done. They just cancel you and take you down. Well, everywhere. Meanwhile, well, the first thing that would happen- on online everywhere and their their accounts are still up. In fact, That's they're right. even the telling first- people how to how to de- derail trains. That's right. Well, the first yeah. thing that would happen, the first thing that would happen is if you tried to do that, the FBI would infiltrate your group yep. and then they would start to, you know, uh, you know, start trying to instigate people to do, you know, the wrong thing. And right. That's what, that's right. What they do. And that's what mm-hmm. happened, I believe, on January 6th. I think that there was definitely infiltrators. Um, the FBI 
when 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 director ray wouldn't even answer that question i think we knew the answer oh yeah now they're finding out that people perjured themselves on the events oh yeah lied they lied and they're gonna and i think uh and they're gonna they're gonna bring them they're gonna bring them up and uh, help they prosecute them because uh we can't have this double standard crap in our government can't have it that's why the people are supposed to do what the people are supposed to do and and Uh, especially when it comes to the application of the law because the law is the one area that is the one area where people can actually violate your rights is through the use of the law and so if we don't have equal justice under the law then it creates a situation where people have a distrust of their fellow americans sure it it pits us against each other it pits us against you know um our our neighbors and and uh and then when it becomes politicized it is what has driven you know well partially a lot of it is the whole woke you know the woke crap and all of that uh nonsense which you can't even reason with people who, who believe in that stuff no you know um that's but by design of course it is and it's designed to destroy the family it's designed to destroy uh you know our our institutions and and more importantly uh it's designed to to create a new form of, of a class system uh which is what the communists you know did in uh you know in russia you know in the ussr they they created this classes and they've made it a we versus them the reality is is that we're all americans and those basic you know bill of rights belong to all of us and this country belongs to all of us when you look at um i had an interesting talk with a lady the other day i i went to go get my haircut and um and i went in i just you know got the whoever was available and it was a, an older woman and I was talking to her. I shared with her that I'm running for Congress. And I asked her, I said, uh, are you, do you vote? And she said, I absolutely do. And I said, well, do you mind me asking what party? And she kind of shyly said that she was a Democrat. <laughs> and, you know, and I told her, I said, look, you know, and, and it, I didn't let that disturb me one bit. You know, I realized that there's a lot of people, you know, who, who, uh, you know, maybe Democrats and maybe we disagree on, you know, 50% you know, or more of the issues, the reality is, well, the reality is, is that I think oftentimes there are people that are uninformed. And I asked her point blank, I said, do you feel like the Democrat party represents you today? And she said, absolutely not. No, so they still, they still vote Democrat. Well, she told me she doesn't trust Republicans. And I said, well, look, um, (laughs) I said, there's a lot of Republicans I don't trust either. That's right. And I said, so I think it's important that we, you know, we do our homework and we do our due, due diligence, you know, and, but I told her, I said, look, you know, if you, if you're voting, I said, uh, you know, that whoever, whoever wins the primary, is, you know, out of the Republicans is likely going to be your congressman. I said, wouldn't you rather have a choice in who that person's going to be? I said, because, you know, it could be an establishment Republican that's beholden to all of the special interest groups out there, or it might be somebody who actually cares to sit down and have a conversation with you like I'm having now. And she was very um, just like, you know, impressed by that. And she told me she's going to come to one of the events that I'm putting on to hear me out. And so, and I think that's what, that's what heals America is when we can talk to each other, you know, and we can actually you know, tolerance used to be a thing that uh, the left was always calling for. They wanted us to be tolerant, be tolerant, be tolerant. Well, finally, you know, when, uh, you know, when, when the, the, the country became tolerant and the Republicans, you know, became tolerant said, okay, you know, you know, we'll, we'll let you have, you know, gay marriage or whatever, you know, then all of a sudden things went off the rails <laughs> the and they're like, Oh, now you, not only do you have to be tolerant, but you have to approve of, of what I believe. Right. You have to, 
you know, it's like with the, I don't know if you saw this thing in the news uh, yesterday, but it's like, you know, what happened at the school where, uh, you know, these kids, um, you know, there's some black teens that, that made these kids, uh, these white kids come out and, and they forced them to kneel and, and, you know, pledge, you know, their themselves to uh, black lives. Matter. Yeah, I heard, I heard about that. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's well, like that, that one. That is so typical of all of this woke crap. They want, yes, they want all of us to, to not only, um, you know, to not only be open-minded and to be, you know, tolerant, they want, they don't, they're intolerant and they want to be, uh, want us to completely subdue ourselves to their ideology and their view. And, and that's something that I can't tolerate. No, that's something that I, no one yeah. should tolerate. The black you lives know, matter. It, that was a bunch of nonsense. That's the word. Oh, yeah. salad. It was, it was a, if, if your life matters, you don't commit crimes. You don't have fatherless babies. That's what you do if your life matters. You don't live in poverty. You don't do drugs. Yeah, they, you don't do it, it's just because they exist that you should. Well, okay. That's, Take that's, a knee and tell us yeah. no more crime. Try that one. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing, the thing is, is that it's always, you know, the people that are pushing this stuff, you know, they're always elitists that have a lot of money right. and that have, you know, a lot of privilege. You know, they want to cl- you know, claim all this privilege, uh, you know, and, and I can tell you there's places in West Virginia uh, you know, they, they, you know, people want to talk about white privilege. You can go to places in West Virginia where there are white people living in abject poverty. that don't even have running water, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. that's insane. And so, so these, these generalizations, you know, about, um, you know, about judging people on the base of, of their race is, is ridiculous. You know, yeah, we're all absolutely. Americans. When I was in the army, we used to have a saying, uh, you know, in the army. And that was that we're all green, you know? Because mm-hmm. every single you know soldier goes in there, and, they, and they, well, that's the whole point of shaving your head and all of that. They shave your head. They basically strip you of all of your identity, so they can turn you into a cohesive unit, and you become you know a, that's what the whole army of one was supposed to be about, right? You know now it's become yeah. this army of woke, no, and yeah. uh, you know and they're they're now you know, sending soldiers to to uh you know uh, gender sensitivity classes and it won't work you know yeah. and crap like that and what were we doing insane. in afghanistan we're like oh we're not we're not nation building but we're over there teaching these women to rise up again you know and we're teaching yeah. them gay sex yeah. and, and we like, and oh, we wonder and we building? wonder yeah and we wonder why the taliban wanted us out of there yeah, yeah no kidding I mean, right on. you none know none of I mean, our business yeah, exactly. None of exactly. Yeah, well, that's what they're trying to do with Russia as well right now. That's why I think there's a little bit of that. Uh, that I mean, sure, they want to protect Ukraine supposedly, but they also yeah. want to take it. To, they also want to turn Russia into into the the wokesters and the, and the, the transgender yep. stuff and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. Now, regardless regardless of whether um, you know, regardless of the fact that Russia is is a you know they've invaded a country you know, un, unprovoked, regardless of that, which is wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. The fact is, is that uh, Russia, you know, they are, they do, you know, w- we keep giving them essentially fodder for their propaganda. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, we, by all this nonsense that we keep doing, they're sitting out there and, and the world is against that. us right now. I mean, most yeah, of the, the, most of the world is against other right. than the, the other than the, uh, Europe and, and maybe like New Zealand and Australia, basically the rest of the world is, is totally against what we're doing in, in Ukraine. Well, did you, did you see the, um, I can't remember when it was, but it was a while back, but there was a, there was a commercial, somebody stitched together two commercials. One was a commercial for the, um, for the Russian military. And this was before the Ukraine war. Um, it was like an advertisement, you know, a recruitment advertisement in Russian, uh, for soldiers. 
And then the other one was this um, a recruitment video for the U.S. Army, and it was about this woman and her two moms and how she oh, feels yeah. like she's oh, a empowered right. woman. And, I remember and, that. You know, and, and it was like, and the difference was the Russian one, it was all these like men all, you know, strong and buffed out and Business. You know, fighting. And yeah, it was like, it, it looked like something you'd see at the beginning of like Call of Duty or something, you know? And, and it was, it was the, the contrast was so stark. I just thought disgusting. to myself, we are so screwed. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And this done. is the kind of stuff that they're pushing. Soldiers are trained to be killers. That's right. Yeah. When I, when I went through, when I was in the army and I went through basic training, they fixed a bayonet on the end of my M16 and then made me chant as I'm stabbing a dummy, right? You know, uh, what makes the grass grow blood? Blood makes the grass grow. What makes the grass grow green? Guts, mm -hmm. guts make the grass mm -hmm. grow green. What's the purpose of the bayonet to kill, to kill without mm -hmm. mercy? And I, I, hear I, that I remember today, being, they'd be freaking out. It's like, oh, no, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember freaking is. out about it a little bit and going, man, you know, this is kind of crazy over the top, right? <laughs> but I realized. The reason mm -hmm. they do that is because if you're in hand-to-hand -hand combat, you don't have time to like sit there and start questioning the morality of whether you should be taking a life or not. You, it's it's kill or be killed. Or and gender. and when, the, when the country is at you know at stake, you know in a war, we've got to have soldiers that are going to do their duty and are going to kill on behalf of the United States government. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. We don't want to be training people who are going to hold up a stress card and be like, oh, I'm stressed out. I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, oh upset and hurt. Yeah. I yeah, mean, th yeah. This is really now in the Navy, they get stress cards and they can raise those oh, stress cards. Oh, no, that won't. Stop, stop from being oh, wow. yelled at. I mean, that's one of the themes throughout the, the military history is you always hear, you know, people it's like, hey, just consider yourself already dead and yeah. get out there and do what you're told to do. You're not here to think. You're here to do what I tell you to do. And that's right. It, it's so true. They're a cog in it. They have to be. Uh, you know, I mean, you can't right. be, oh, I, go kill that. I, she, I don't know. I, but I think his pronouns are, uh, no. Right. <laughs> right. No, it's all just these guys, again. You know, that's our military. It's not theirs. You got one or two people, you know, at the top. What's his name? Yeah, yeah. Who's the guy? Oh, Millie. Mark Millie, Millie, the guy. Did he ever serve in the, in the army or in the, in the, in the military? I'm, I was well, he's never, he, he, yeah, never he's did, he never did battle. He, he was a general, but he never did battle. But he's got yeah. all these medals. I'm like, well, yeah. I, and people are like, how do you yeah, get that? Like, I said, he, well, he, when he, you're he, a Democrat, he, he, you can get all kinds of things of, you didn't earn. He reminds me of the white Idi. Remember Idi Amin from Uganda? Like he thinks he he thinks he's like the you know like some kind of warrior or something. Uh, great warrior, yeah. You know, you know, and, you know, you know who his best friend is, or one of his best friends is Millie. Yeah, Rachel, Doctor Rachel Levine. Oh, jeez, Doctor. Yeah, Rachel they went to high gross. school together. They went to high school together. Gross. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, there's you know. there you go. We, we've got a we've got a sickness in our country though very and, much and, oh yeah and it, and that that woke stuff is like a it's like a cancer it's a point you, know, you yeah. think you think about cancer and and how uh when people discover they have cancer it's it's been in them for a long time and they didn't know it uh -huh. and it's not until it starts causing a dis, you know dysfunction in their organs or 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 it you know they get a tumor that just pops up out of nowhere overnight. Right. And then all of a sudden they realize that they've had cancer for, you know, for years and it's been slowly spreading throughout their body. That's what this woke stuff is like. It is a cancer and it's eating away at the, at the fabric of our country, at, at the fabric of, of what makes us who we are. And yeah, it, it is really, it's destroying families. I don't, I can't tell you how many families I've talked to that have been 
affected by this. Yeah. It's like, like even, you know, the, the fentanyl issue is a horrible issue. And certainly there's a lot of families that have been affected by it, especially here in West Virginia. But, but even compared to that, I think there's more people that have been affected by, you know, their children go off to college and they, and then they cut them off and they stop talking to them. They turn against them Mm -hmm. um, because they've been indoctrinated into, you know, wokeism and, and, you know, this basically new uh, form of American uh, fascism or socialism. Then you've got, um, you know, you've got the kids that, you know, parents that are dealing with, you know, their kids are going to school, they're being fed all of this nonsense. And then their kid come home one day, you know, and says, he, you know, he wants to be a girl now, yeah. you know, I mean, how do you deal with that as a parent? You know, you love your kids. Have you seen you, that personally? Heard that personally from anybody? I've seen that per- not 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 with my children, but I've seen that. I know I have friends that have had that happen. Wow! And no, and and, and, I, and, and unfortunately, more than one. I so you know, I, and and I've had I've had uh, you know, and it's always um, you know, like I've known I've known uh, people who have had their kids have come home and they had books uh, from the school library, you know, about oh, homosexuality yeah. and things like that, and they start you know, and they're questioning you know, they're questioning themselves. They're trying to find when you're at that age and you're young and you're, you're trying to fit in, right. You know, whatever's popular, whatever's cool, you start questioning, you know, those things for yourself because, you know, you want to fit in that, that peer pressure is so strong. And a lot of these kids are going down that road, I believe, because they're under peer pressure and, you know, Mm -hmm. because they're, uh, they're being taught that this is, this is, you know, what you're supposed to do. And, and that, and at that age, you're also various children to teenager. Yeah. You're very, very, very experimental. Mm-hmm. You're open. You're open to a yeah. lot. And I mean, if the teacher of, says you can do it, oh boy, teacher said right. so. That's right. Terrorism. And, you know, the reality is, is all of that stuff, you know, uh, it, when it comes to like sexuality and everything, you know, the, the biggest problem that I have with, with the whole movement and everything is, why, why, why the necessity for all the labels, you know, you know, we yeah. don't go around walking around going, uh, you know, wearing a, a pin on us that says we're straight, you know, I don't feel the need to go and talk to people about my, you know, my, uh, sexual habits or, or my sexuality. So why, right. why do, do people who are part of this woke culture feel that they need to do this? Well, so and, we divide and, that, and, and I mean, exactly you know, it, it, because, because this stuff has been imported into our country I believe by communists, by people. I, I think our enemies actually, quite frankly, have have done a good job of infiltrating our schools, putting this ideology in it in the long term to destroy us. I wouldn't doubt that you know some of our of our enemies have a hand in this. Oh no, there's no doubt at all. I mean, you. So yeah, yeah. You have to label your your pronouns on on. You know, they might as well wear them as a name tag, or some people yeah. they might just want to put a Jewish star on themselves. I mean, really, what's the difference, right? What is the difference? You know, oh, we're yeah. going to put this on you, but the government says, oh, well, you can put it on yourself and make one up. Well, it, it gets, this so is this is where it gets crazy. So like, um, so I'm a, you know, I'm a. We only have I'm about a, three minutes, guys, about three minutes. Okay. So I'm a vet and, and I go to the VA oh. and, and one of the questions they ask me is they say, hey, um, in the intake form, uh, can you tell us what your sexuality is? And then they want to ask me what my pronouns are. And then they want to ask me what my gender I identify with. Wow. And I'm like, how is that any of the business of the VA? <laughs> yeah, this is the kind VA. of stuff that, that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, this is horrible. Um, uh, Nate, Nate, this has just been a great conversation. I, I, I do have one question. So, I mean, I think I know your answer. 
you know, the people, they say the Republicans did not perform as well as expected in the midterms. You know, everybody's like, oh. Mm-hmm. So do you believe that or do you think, think there's really some chicanery is some, going on? Yeah, some election meddling going on? Well, do you trust the voting machines? There, There's definitely some chicanery going on. Um, I've been involved in a number of election integrity um, investigations myself and we can talk um, about that next time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. So we can, we can do that. That's, that's just going to, that's going to be good. Yeah. We're going to talk about, that's exactly what I want to talk about next time is the, the election of 2020 and, and basically the, all the, the cheating and the, and the, the abnormalities that are going on right now, the abnormalities. Yep. Mm. No, I, I definitely can talk about that. I, I've got some firsthand experience. Yeah, so. I think that's a great, I think that'll be a great uh, starter piece. Thanks so much for coming on, Nate. I mean, this was great. It was great. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was. It was yeah, it's, all, it's been awesome talking to you, man. Very yeah, different, likewise. very informative. And I'm, I hope everybody out there now has a little bit of an idea about, you know, you were the first whistleblower and what the hell went on in uh, with uh, the Clintons who are guilty yeah. of hell. And, uh, and, yeah. and, 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 and uh, Nate showed that the government really, really is a cabal right now. And, yeah. and they will protect their own, man. I mean, you know, they can do anything just about nefarious as they want, and and and, and they'll protect them. So it's Nate, Nate, Nate Kane win, Nate Kane dot win, and um, you know, no matter what happens, man, uh, let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you, Nate. God bless you, Take brother. Care. God bless. Beautiful. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Clive and Doris.